G'day folks, it is The Coach here. I hope you're all doing well, but more importantly, you are not hungry, you are hangry or something. I was going to, what's the other side? You've got, you're either, you're either you're hung, angry, you're hungry you're eating, hungry. one of the two. You're eating, you're eating. I was going to say thirsty, but I know you're not thirsting. I am here talking Ogamore tribes, if you haven't gotten the hint. Um, I am with somebody who is always hungry. It is Brian Lofton, who's come straight out of Texas from the Harambe's Heroes, and we are going to be talking all things Ogamore tribes, but specifically, we are talking about the dad bods. We are talking about the gut busters, and oh my gosh, we have the king of the gut busters and the ogres himself here. We've got Haywo Twitch, a man who absolutely represents, but we're not talking to we're not talking to, to Haywo, we are talking to Brian, who <laughs> recently went 4-1, uh, who went 4-1 at the Lone Star GT got that one right um and i found that really interesting because on the surface ogres do quite well in the meta ogres as a broad book is doing pretty well yeah. but the gut busters when you look at the beast claw raiders versus the gut busters there is a big gap between competitive levels but you had taken the under underperforming side of the ogres and you did incredibly well so today's chat is going to talk about gut busters we're going to dig deep, deep, deep into this book and understand what were those success strategies and look at one of your lists. But first off, g'day, welcome, Brian. Give us the spiel. Who are you and why is Harambe's Heroes like taking over my channel? <laughs> well, it's real easy. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm Brian Lofton. Um, I've recently had some success with Underguts and Harambe's Heroes has taken over because we're just better than everyone else. Uh, if ITC will let you know that as well and most of the time um <laughs> not really i'm kidding we just play all the time we're constantly thinking about the game constantly studying the game and not one of our lists goes out public until like 14 people have looked at it and told us that you know or like gavin zach all these guys that you know have done well out of, you know won a lot of tournaments but every one of them has eyeballed every list we've ever taken out so we have a good crew of people that just check everything and like hey maybe think about this most often i'll say yeah yeah i already thought about that and i don't and i want to bring this one thing anyway so <laughs> no it's like, awesome like we I, I got to chat to gavin recently we did a show around like being champion right like what did it take to become a champion like he won lvo but you you know gavin's not the only person who's been on this channel recently you know we've had evan we've had so many of you and oh, it yeah. just shows the um the competitive level and I guess the maturity that I see in your community, you know, you guys from the Texas masters, you play hard, you will bring the, the, the filth lists and you want to see and test yourself and build those strengths. So there's no surprises at the tournament and you guys are absolutely battle hardened. And again, an absolute testament to the Texas scene as a whole. So I've always been really impressed the last couple of years I've gotten to know you guys and just even just watching from, from afar, really yeah. good meta. And I'm just disappointed that um, the Texas AOS Open isn't happening this year. I missed out. But uh, Hades, yes, Hades, who's a, an absolute friend of the channel, um, always in here asking about the Underworld's Warbands. He's not going to ask about the Underworld's Warbands because we know for a fact it's going to feature in this list because of the Underworld's Warbands, the, the Ogre one is Chef's Kiss. Oh, it's so good. It's so nice. It's so good. And I can't remember, right. is, is, Froth, is Froththorn in the under, uh, Underworld's Warband also? Like, I had both of them in there, I think. And Frothorn is, oh yeah, he is a problem on the board for people. They just don't know how to deal with him. He's, he's not 
so strong that you have just you know it's worth dedicating a big chunk of your army to but you have to dedicate enough to it to kill it yeah and yeah that's fun the ogres are great look i and i actually got to play a uh it might have been under i can't remember what which the underguts or one of the sub allegiances i actually had a one of my recent games was against an ogre gut buster um list recently like full of iron guts man they they slap they slap oh, that yeah. unit of 12 like when you double reinforce it it's like 700 odd points but they slap yeah, but yeah. um Look, I want to start off and, you know, yes, I'm absolutely going to acknowledge the pink elephant in the room at some point, Kragnos, but this is not the, Stoneho the Stonehorn show. I should stop waving my hands around. I'm just so excited. We're not talking Stonehorns <laughs> because this is the gut buster side. Stonehorns and, and Thunder Tusks and Beast Claw Raiders are doing well in their meta, and we've had chats about this in the past. I want to talk about the people who are underserved, and that is the gut busters. So, Talk to me a little bit about this because you obviously went out there and you started eating men, you started iron blasting, and you did incredibly well at the Lone Star Open. Why is it that we hear so much about the Beast Claw Raiders and we see them do well at tournaments, but we don't see very much about the, the gut busters? We don't see many iron guts, we don't see iron blasters, we don't see, you know, we don't see lead belches. Like we just don't see that side of the book very much in third edition. What is going on? What's your observations? Well, I think I think the average player, I think, not, not to insult anyone, but I think the average player looks at War Scrolls first. They don't start looking for synergies um, till way later, but if you look at it just off War Scroll, I mean, BCR, same with Gargants. Like, they're so straightforward on how they play. They play objectives well. They count for several models on the objective, and they hit hard when they get there. They're really tanky. You know, you can get them down to a pretty good save with a five-up board. So I think the initial thought process is most people just look at that war scroll and say, okay, well, it's better than all the other war scrolls combined. And so they, they get focused on that, especially with Kragnos in the meta now. But um, there's a place for Kragnos and Gutbusters. There's um, Iron Blasters are really good when they're charging 3D6 and, and doing mortal wounds on fours for your – so there's a place for that also. Um but again, I think it's just people get keyed in on that Stonehorn War Scroll. It's really good, but it's also mm. really expensive, and it and it kind of forces you into playing um, Boulderhead, where you know you get the extra wound on, on your monsters, and you get the mount traits, and, and there's no real list diversity. There's no playing around with anything else, and that's what the the thing that really gets me going. And the shooting, you really need shooting. I mean. I was at New Orleans Open with Archeon and host of the Everchosen, and I played Joe Cryer um, game two with his four wind spirits. And it, it, right there, I knew 3.0, you have to have shooting because you're going to run into things. And now Manfred and all, there's so many things that are so prevalent that you can't deal with them unless you bring some shooting. Um, but I didn't want to tech hard into it, go crazy Lumineth or anything like that. I wanted to have something because I was so adamant against shooting for so long. I was a corn player originally. Um, I felt like gentlemen met in the middle and they smashed. So I wanted to have something that had some shooting that could deal with the wind spirits and things like that, but then also could, could really hold their own in melee too. And 3.0 has made it insane for Gutbusters. With their number one she was, they were just had crap saves. And now you can just help that out for a CP. Well, it's interesting. So, so I, I do actually want to unpack a little bit about like the strengths and weaknesses, because on the surface, you if you ask the average person about the gut buster side of the Ogre Moor tribes, 
they would just laundry list you all of the reasons why they're not competitive. You know, the fact that they have um, their base, the base and the coherency stuff is a big issue. They, that, so people would claim, you know, the fact that, you know, things like iron guts, you know, have a one or a two inch reach. And if you reinforce one or two, it becomes really hard to get them all into combat and you're losing yeah. a lot of your output. And when I looked at, is it iron, I think it was iron guts, maybe I was playing against. A double reinforced unit of iron guts, I think, is 12 models. And I think it's around the 500 to 700 mark. I oh, couldn't yeah. believe I couldn't believe a double reinforced. So it was like 12 models. Yes, they've got four wounds each, but I couldn't believe it was the same price as a Kragnos. You know, yeah. almost the same price as a Nagash. And I'm like, do I want Nagash? Do I want iron guts? Mm -hmm. Or do I want Techless or do I want 12? Like it's it's no question in, in my opinion. I think that's what is so appealing about the lead belchers is they have kind of uh, like somewhere between the gluttons and the um, iron guts combat profile, not as much damage. But when you, if you look at that war scroll as a whole, like the shooting damage, meh, the combat damage. Okay. But then you need to combine them both because you're never going to have one without the other. If you're going to be charging and being in combat, then you will have shot also that turn. Um, so I think you got to look at it as a whole and then, you know, they were, weren't affected at all by the Unleash Hell changes because typically you are got a little eight-man brick of those. So if you charge them, they're all shooting you, like 8d6 shots on Unleash Hell. It's insane. I think, I think where I see the most negativity from the Iron Guts players is things like Gluttons. Like, because a lot of lists back oh, in yeah. the day, like, like when I played against a lot of Ogre lists, you'd always have at least one big block of gluttons right yeah they usually got like four, they got four or wounds which means that they don't get any bonuses for being on objectives they're all got one inch weapons both the blades the clubs well they and do the get the bonuses they naturally count for two on objectives yeah but like, like they're, they're on four they're not five like if they just had that mm -hmm. one more extra wound it would kind of push them over the fence um yeah. But just, I just hear a lot of negativity from the the gut buster side and it seems like a lot yeah. of people have shelved them, which is kind of what inspired me to have this chat to go, well, you've obviously done really well. So where is the list tech? What is going on? Um, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of Noblars at the moment. You know, is there a place for things like Iron Blasters? Is the Scrap Launcher good? Like, I think this is kind of why I wanted to talk to you to go, well, what is it that you've seen in the book? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, the Scrap Launcher, unfortunately, doesn't, I mean, it would be so fun because, I mean, I've heard people say they hate the model, but I think it's hilarious. A little, you know, catapult with knoblars climbing all over it. Hang it. It's, it's, if you look at the models, I know that some of them are kind of old, but they've aged pretty well. Like, um, I painted my knoblars up kind of like we were calling them doblars. It was pretty funny because they look like Dobby from Harry Potter. Uh, because I gave them the same kind of skin and flesh tone as the ogres. And now we've got, the big, we've, got, we've got the big Doby, right? We've now got the cruel boys Doby oh, yeah. into, the, into the mix. Yeah. And, and the thought process is I like they think eventually that that they're just a sub evolution of ogres. And eventually if they try hard enough and kill enough stuff, they'll, they'll eventually evolve into an ogre. So that's, that's, that's their thought process on this group of knoblars that runs with them. So I bring 40, um, but you know, on the, the unfortunate part is like you said, with the iron guts, they're super, super expensive. And for, for, for where they get done, you're typically only getting, if you bring a, like you, like that guy brought 12, you're probably getting seven in combat, maybe. 
Um, so as hard as they hit, your damage is cut in half because of the way that coherency works. And gluttons, unfortunately, great models. I love them. I, the first list I built had 12 in a, in a unit. But they do nothing with save stacking. And I mean, we're, we're, you're you're not necessarily. I mean, I guess in that fat middle area, like take it, it in the middle tables, they would be probably be fine. But when you're list building, you're teching for those top tables. Like I'm teching to play Gavin. I'm teching to play Zach Kennedy, Noah's, you know, Noah and Tom Juan, all the guys that I'm consistently playing at that to that top table level, and just that part of of the um, gut busters. This isn't going to work. It's just you're not going to do anything. No rend. Which is which is why which is why the easy option is obviously to go into the beast claw raider side, and we're not going to talk about that. I go want to kind of just paint the paint the picture to go. Well, this is the challenge. Oh, it's real easy, yeah. It's the easy answer to go. Well, I'll just build put two stone horns down the table, and maybe a thunder tusk or a third stone horn. That's a battle line option, and yeah. they count for more an objective. They hit harder. They move faster. They've got some, yeah. you know, mortal wound, and they've got some good resiliency, and it's the easy answer. Yeah, it's like it's like um, real easy for someone to say, "Hey, I'm really interested in mega garments." Oh yeah, for four star collecting boxes of ogres, I can pay half price and play the Stonehorn version of that same army. And you know, because you know those ninety five dollar starter boxes that come with a Stonehorn and a bunch of Mornfang, and you can basically take three or four of those and have a full army. And Stonehorns are really good. There, we have some local players that play a lot of them but i think like i said i think it's kind of the easy route you look at the war scroll you don't have to build a lot of synergies for it they're kind of there already and it just does its thing with the with the underdust build it's it's actually got a lot of synergy there's a lot of things happening in there um but the funniest part about the entire army is none of it matters it's 182 wounds with 15 drops and none of it matters like you can kill whatever you want you bring Sentinels, kill my general, fine, do whatever. Like, none of it really matters. None of it needs to be alive for it to work. Like, the best bonus I get is plus one to hit with the Iron Blasters versus, or plus one to hit in a bubble for against heroes and monsters. But if that goes away, it's just plus one to hit. Like, it's not the end of the world. It's actually so. interesting because, like, talking to Gavin, but also just some of my own thinking and just some of, you know, what you're hearing in the community – one of the ways to deal with the, the bow snakes, the sentinels, the long strikes is what you said around the wound density where it's having oh, yeah. lots of resiliency like Nurgle. What I was, I mentioned this a few times, but I just come back from a tournament the other week and I was going to run like 160 grots. I was just going to flood oh, the yeah. board with bodies on 25 mil bases. And, and you know what? You've got a, a whole bunch of elite mortal wound shooting. Cool. You killed 10 grots. I've still got 150 yeah. left. And I'm going to bring back half the units. So having wound density and not worrying too much about these like absolute complete elite force. Because yeah, once you lose a Stonehorn, a Mega Gargant, it can be quite brutal yeah, to come back. And you're obviously giving away monster points. So moving away from Beast Claw Raiders, I want to get into the good stuff. I've painted the picture and you've kind of like, you know, colored it in with, you know, crayons and, and paints, <laughs> uh, two thin coats, obviously. What are the ogres good at? Specifically, we're talking gut busters here. If you're going to build around a competitive list and what you built around, which is obviously, again, a 4-1 list, what are you good at? Well, this particular list is good at um, taking that alpha, which is really strong in the meta right now. Like, 
somebody there's a lot of armies out there that can just deal 70 plus wounds to you in a turn and it's real good at taking that and then laughing and then exploding out because you know you build a little castle behind knoblars and you got your lead belchers and your iron blasters so it it really handles that alpha well um it does well against other shooting um and the only thing that it, it really consistently struggles with is seraphon but i think everyone consistently struggles with seraphon so it's not really a negative to your list if it has trouble beating seraphon everything except seraphon has trouble beating seraphon Talk to me about why. You've mentioned that you're good for the alpha. So should for anyone who might be listening to this that doesn't quite know, the alpha being that someone goes super aggressive, they go something like battle regiment to be a one drop. They either drop down and just like, you know, long strikes, for example, with the holy command will shoot in the hero phase or bow snakes will shoot twice in a turn. You know, they, they're getting a jump on you essentially before you get to have your first turn. That would be an alpha where they come down from reserve where they have like a a 30-inch projection of power. So you've yeah. mentioned that you're good, just, just for anyone who might not be familiar with the term alpha. So you've yeah. mentioned that you're good at the alpha, and you've also mentioned that you were good at, uh, so what you say, shooting? No, what was the other one? Like a counterpunch. Like like they're, they're because of the wound density, and I, I think what got lost at the end of 2.0 was people stopped bringing screens. It was all about damage. And... Now, if you don't have a screen, you're going to get punished for it. It may not happen every game, but there's going to be a game where you're going to wish you had a screen. So yes. that's where the Knoblars are super cheap, you know, 20 for 100 points now. Um, super, super cheap. And then once those, once you, you know, you, what it does well is it lets your opponent crash into the wall of Knoblars. And by the time the Knoblars are gone, You've also probably whittled down enough of their army, and then you've lost 40 wounds of your army. You know, usually something else. They have some kind of shooting that can shoot over, but you've lost about 40 wounds. And then the ogres come flying out of there. The eight-man unit on the charge, it's doing, you know, you're rolling your unmodified, uh, maybe the eight-man unit. So for your unmodified charge roll, you roll that many dice, and on a four-up, they do mortal wounds. Um, the, the other tech that you bring in there, which... I don't know how more people don't use it more often, but I guess it's because iron blasters aren't used, but the blubber grub stench, you put out a bubble around your butcher and all four of your iron blasters charge like stone horns. Um, so that's again, the four doing the mortal wound on the four plus. And I mean, I've had the army go out. I mean, I've tabled gargants uh, multiple times with it. Um, it. And I mean, even against Doc, I've done very well. Because Doc, you kind of know how much damage Doc has per turn, and I have 185 wounds. And as long as I manage Marathi and make sure I get my wounds on her and that she dies by turn three, then I'll just outlast that army. Its damage just runs out. Um, most I've, I've played them three times in tournaments and picked Marathi up and shook the change out of her pockets because <laughs> the ogre's got to eat. Thoughts and prayers from Marathi. Uh, she's certainly not doing very well in the meta, but uh... it's funny how far that, how how you know how far she's fallen and how much and how little has actually changed. Everyone's initial perception was how broken the army was, but it's not that much damage. It's a lot of. I mean, it feels like a lot more damage because of the double shoot, but I mean, with something as toughness or wound density, you just. You can eat all that damage, and you can mitigate it because the the Iron Blasters have such long range, 24-inch range. 
with a nine inch movement. So you can outrange 24 inch shooting just by being, you know, outside of 32. Which is where like daughters of Cain really want to be going for the, you know, they want to go second. So they go into and hopefully get the turn one into turn two double turn because unlike those long strikes who can project power very early on, mm -hmm. especially with like a holy command, I often found even when I was running bow snakes that I was out of range for my first turn. So I wanted to give it away because then I gave it the double tap. Oh, yeah. This, this is not the Daughters of Cain show. This is the um, the Ogus show. And I think it's interesting because, you, as you said, you, you're playing against top tier people, the Gavins, the the Toms, the the Noahs, the, you know, like all these, mm -hmm. all these great people like, you know, Zach and Evan and just all these great players in the community. So you're obviously not picking out just, you know, you're not going four and one and, and, you know, doing well at, you know, small events. You know, you're obviously playing against these really strong armies. So I guess... I guess what have you learnt along the way when you're playing with these these ogres? You know, is it? And I, I think one thing I want to call out is the call out around screens because I've noticed that everyone in third edition, you know, because you can, you know, because of I don't know whether it's people just don't have the points because things points went up, whether it's because of reinforcements and people spending their reinforcements in other places or because there's less objectives on the table, they feel like they need less screens. And I know when I've been talking to a few ogre players, they're like, oh, I wish that Nobilars could be battle line. And I'm like, it's actually the opposite. I yeah, love I that Nobilars that aren't battle line because you're not giving away cheap broken ranks. And it means that you can move them up the board. It's why I love things like the uh, Underworld Warbands. There's a couple that I yeah. really like because you can screen, you can do a whole bunch of things and know that you're not giving anything away. Yeah. Like to get one of my battle tactics... Well, at the very least, you got to do 16 wounds, you know, and, and I'll know which unit you're going to take if you want to do broken ranks on me. So I'll buff that unit up. It'll get the Mystic Shield. It'll get the, you know, all-out defense in every single phase because, you know, you kind of have the CP. Like, that's the funny part about the army. It really doesn't need anything. You know, if you got the CP, you're going to activate one CP per turn to give the extra, the extra shots on the Iron Blasters. But it really... Like none of the, the funniest thing is just none of it matters. I'm 15 drops, so I'm never going to dictate turn and I'm never going to care. Like it's, I just watch where you put your army and then build my castle. And if anyone's been wondering why Brian's being a tease, we will go into the list. I will show you Brian's list. So he's even referring to like, you know, iron blasters and 15 drops and 182 wounds. We'll go through the list um, and we'll explain why some of his decisions have kind of happened the way they've gone. Before I get into the allegiance abilities, because I'd love your take on how you're thinking about the abilities, I want to talk about the, the destruction, bro. Kragnos. Oh yeah. Craggy. Craggy has taken over, especially in this this I guess this second half of General's Handbook 2021. Some minor tweaks in the winter FAQ now has made him more attractive. How do you think, from a gut buster point of view, Kragnos plays into your list? Um, would you run him? If you did, why, why, what does he bring to the table, or what are you giving up by taking this 700 point Chadnos, as Haywood we call it? Yeah, he is, and that, that's hilarious. I mean, you lose all of the the lead belters. So, um, what is that? 16, 16 bodies with four wounds apiece is what I would end up giving up. It's a lot of wounds for roughly the same amount. Um, I would have to. Go with some really cheap 
uh, battle line. But the cool part is, is I've seen other people, you know, Gavin has a list that he's been messing around with. Um, you have to go into, into Frost Sabers for your battle line because you still have the points. Because you still want to bring some Noblars. But it, it, there's a funny build with Kragnos and four Iron Blasters. Again, Gavin's been messing around with it. But three, like shooting the Iron Blasters and then 3D6 charging them, it's crazy. You roll like, say you roll a 16-ish charge and then you roll 16 dice on four ups uh, or, or mortal wounds. So you usually don't even have to fight in combat because whatever they charge into is just getting taken off the board. He's he's just expensive, right? Like when you bring Craggy, he's like 700 odd points. And if you're going to be building in something to get those charges in, they you're going to be reinforcing them at least once, if not twice. Oh, yeah. So if you have like one unit of reinforced iron guts, whatever it might be, or lead belches or whatever you've mm -hmm. chosen, right? A double reinforced unit of that plus Kragnos, you're around the 1500 point mark and you still got to get other battle line. You've still got to get a couple of heroes. So the question is, I guess, what are you giving up? And I'm surprised how expensive you are. I would like to see GBH, the iron, the the gut buster side, go down a little bit. I'm just, it just doesn't feel like you get a lot for what you, what you're getting compared to other factions. Yeah, you. Re I mean, the points they actually when they did, I think it was Winter FAQ, the Noblars came down a little bit. I kind of yes. expected that they would go up, but they came down a little bit in the points changes that we got at the Winter FAQ alone. Basically allowed me to get um gorlock black powder in for free i was already playing at 1945 i was just like whatever i'm 14 drops and, and at that point i think i was somewhere around 170 wounds or maybe 65 somewhere in that area um but i was just like what's another i could have put frost sabers in there but i'd rather just have the triumph and take it away from my opponent at the same time um sometimes just not even if you don't use it denying them their triumph it's a big part of their a lot of that alpha strike damage relies on that triumph relies on the you know plus one to wound and stuff like that so just taking that away from your opponent is worth 55 points yeah and you know i think there were some changes to um the, the gut gluttons um I ne i'll never forget i remember talking to doom and darkness who's a big ogres player and i remember seeing that article two years ago when it called you guys deadly as ever and the trigger that that conversation alone but yes oh, you did yeah. get a 10 point difference on your gluttons i just want to give a quick shout out as well to kenny lull who who's just joined up as a member much appreciated my friend thank you um much love but like uh, yeah i think okay yeah, the interesting yeah the points are still an issue like on them i think and i think maybe less point less than points more of like they're all on you know 40 mil bases and 50 mil bases and things like that Coherency should not apply to, you know, infantry and battle line units that are on 40s and 50 mils and multi-wounds. It shouldn't apply in the same way. Like they did dragons, like they gave them their own special coherency because it would have been difficult to run that unit the size it was and, you know, maintain normal coherency. They should take that same thought into units like snakes, units like ogres that are on these giant bases and you are never going to get your, your points value out of them. So if you were talking about overcosted, you because you're only ever getting half of them in, you just cut them in half and, and and keep coherency the way it is, and then you can just have enough bodies for the points to matter. And we'll go into your list and we'll show to see like, are you actually building out a double reinforced, or are you going? Because I think one one of the ways you can get around that is just doing multiple small units, which drives yeah. up your drops, uh, but it also means your command points don't go nearly as far. 
I think, you know, the I think you you suffer a lot from the same problem that like the Namadi thralls had. You're on 32 more bases, they were on one inch attacks, and you never got all 10 attacks in. The minute that they changed them to two inch attacks, you've got an incredible value because now all oh, yeah. 10 can fight. So it's almost like, do you need some different coherency rules? Do you need um, some extended range? Uh, but look, you know, in the day, you've done incredibly well. And what I want to do is I want to bring up some of the rules and go, well, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about when you look at some of these abilities, right? Because you've got the trampling charge, you've got the ravenous brutes, you've got might, might makes right. I always call it mightier makes righty. I'm being a sums <laughs> player. I'm like, like yeah. no, that's not the rule. That's not the rule. I don't want to trigger you guys because that was your special little thing for a little bit. It was. And then now they well, for a little bit. better. <laughs> we we do we do I'm well they're bigger they that. took it like they took it they hung out with ogres they saw it they're like yeah we like that we're gonna do it better and then you know spoiler alert you've gone under guts right so um I, you know i'd be curious to hear why you've chosen under guts as opposed to some of the other tribes but if i'm an ogres player and i'm thinking about building around gut busters how is it that you're looking at these set of rules well, what you got to look at is like we've already talked about, you have the coherency issue, you have the points issues. So any extra places that you can get damage in your army, you need to max that out and take advantage of it. So the, the trampling charge, um, any kind of little shooting chip damage, you just have to make the most of all the damage you have available to you. Um, and that's where, you know, my thought process came in with Underguts was, you know, the Iron Blasters are pretty good when they have two shots at 120 points or 30 points, whatever exactly they are. Um, so, and then you start mixing that with blubber grub stench and they start charging like stone horns. Like a huge part of the stone horn is it can blow up a screen, a couple of them by themselves and then just pile into what you were trying to protect. And that's how the iron blasters can do too. Like they can just blow up a screen with 28 mortal or 24 mortal wounds or, I think the most I've ever done with the four is 21 mortal wounds on the charge. Like I, I played against Kragnos, um, cruel boys at Dallas and, uh, Jeffrey Viscaitis is here. He's a weird knob guy. He actually helped out a lot with that Austin GT. Um, so he came in and did 70 mortal wounds with Kragnos and, uh, a Meyer brute Trogoth to my army on turn one and turn two, I had him almost tabled. It was just like, that's how ogres are. They'll eat that and, alpha and then punish. And that's one of the appeals of bringing Kraggy in because it, the, the 3D6 charge then allows you to do far more potential mortal wounds from yeah. the trampling charge. That's the that's the big list tech there, and which is why it's super easy with the stone horns or the thunder tusks because you've now got a fast-moving model. You know, you see the stone horn will re-roll re the charge, even if it was a three-inch charge, and you don't like the dice roll, you re-roll it just yeah, to try to get that spike. Yeah, re-roll it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, so talk to me a bit more about it, you know, like from a, an objective point of view, you know, your ogres are going to count to two models. Oh yeah. Of one. Like, like that's another thing I, I played, you know, just another example against a Lumineth player there where I couldn't kill anything in his army. I mean, Lumineth, um, it was Sire, So they all had all that, all of the, um, what is that realm? So whatever it was, they can just burn those aether courts. That's what it is. Burn the aether courts and buff up their saves like round one we were both really cagey um because he was worried about my shooting uh he didn't have any it was like the first time i'd ever seen sire take him with no sentinels so real nice guy best funnest lumineth game i've ever played 
I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that was allowed. I, I thought that was no. against the rules to not bring Sentinels to Luminary. Yeah, I thought you bring Teclison. I mean, he summons in 30 automatically. That's not how it works. But So the first round of shooting, I did nothing to him. And um, and he was playing KG around protection of Teclis. So I just jumped up on the objectives and put all the Noblars in front of me because he was playing so KG. Um, them counting for two models on an objective is... It's, it's huge. Like, even only being four wounds, they're going to challenge. Varengard, they're going to challenge. All of these big objective scoring units, they're going to challenge there. Um, so, you know, you, you can sometimes take an, an objective off of a Gargant, which is almost unheard of without killing it. So they play the objectives really well. They're actually pretty fast getting to the objectives. They're deceptively fast because if they're not in combat, they're hungry which is an extra two-inch movement. So, And then once they get on the objectives and they're in combat, they're bravery eight at that point. And, you rare, and because of their wounds, you rarely kill enough to really force a battle shock very often. Um, they just play, in, and the goal with this army was to play in every phase, um, even in the magic phase a little, even in, in that phase, because you've got a couple of spells you're trying to get off every turn, or at least one. Um, so that was that was the goal to get damage in every phase. Your hero face damage, I mean your I'm sorry, your magic face damage doesn't happen very often, but um there's places where you can get it. Like you know, you have the traps and things like that, and you have the voracious maw on the butcher, which everyone underestimates it until somebody sits there and rolls ten four pluses and it goes off ten times. You know? Yeah. The the butcher is so good and uh, obviously a lot of people just take a butcher, especially in the, the Beast Claw Raider side, just for the more pot. Like they have like this token butcher who does his mm -hmm. thing. Everyone else kind of runs up the table. But, you know, you between the Slaughtermaster and, you know, your man eaters and your butchers, you know, the synergies really start coming in in that gut buster build. I think, you know, what I love about your, your allegiance abilities, and obviously there's more that are in the book, but they're more focused towards the Beast Claw Raiders. But, they're very simple by design. You get, you know, your ogres are counting as two models. So it means that your noblars aren't going to count. They're just one model per that's on the objective. It's purely your ogres. Um, mm -hmm. You are going to be getting those that plus two movement or the plus two bravery. And I want to call out just really quickly that the plus two bravery is going to mean that you, you don't have to really worry about uh, every time I play ogres, it doesn't seem like you worry that much about inspiring presence. You can spend no. your CP on other things, all that attack, all that defense, redeploy rally insert mm -hmm. command ability here so you get to really tap into those types of things without worrying about massive loss and your four wounds apiece um like and you, even the not... small units when they charge you've got the, the mortal wounds also like yes like i'm talking about getting them on fours but you can get them on sixes and it's just it all adds up usually by the end of the game if i've gotten into some some really you know, a, a lot of melee combats. I've probably done 25 or 30 mortal wounds across the game in the charge phase. So, I mean, it just adds up. And their allegiance abilities, I think when the book came out, it was kind of, it felt a lot like a corn book to me. It had a pretty good book, but the War Scrolls were just less than attractive. They just like, unless you went BCR right out the gate, it felt like on the, on the Gutbuster side, it was a little, you know, lackluster. Um, and I think 3.0 has helped that with the missions, the way they work. And 3.0, they score battle tactics really well, um, especially the list. There's tech in there to score. 
just about every battle tactic just brought into the list. And I think that's another thing that gets lost in list building. Like people want to play the cool things and they think about how much damage the things do, but how well are those things going to score battle tactics on turn one? Are you going to have to run three units and mess up your whole plan for turn one because you had to run three units you didn't want to? You know, I think yeah. that kind of tech, you got to work into your list as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, um, a shift in mentality, right? You know, back in the ye old days of Warhammer, it was all about just doing damage, 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 forcing battle shock and bravery tests. And even like back mm -hmm. in Warhammer Fantasy, like you, you do break tests and you, you, you know, you chase them down the board. Um, I actually played an ogre army not long ago in fantasy battles. Um, and those three iron guts just stood there, took it. And they charge me off the board because you know yeah. they just they don't care at all. And the gut magic was so powerful back then. But you've seen the evolution of Warhammer really focused now towards you know not not winning in the shooting phase, not winning in the combat phase, but often in the movement phase and also mm -hmm. in the objective claiming. And probably one of the big things that Forty K has brought to Sigma, and it's a real mentality shift because you're right. It's less about the synergies and less about the damage. It's more about how do I guarantee myself my grand strategy. And how do I score my five out of five battle tactics? That is the goal. Um, and when you start looking at all the bonuses and things, you've really got to start thinking about not just what's going to give you the best damage, but what's going to score me those five VPs or the five. Yeah. And how do tactics. I for and how do I force my opponent into picking one that isn't guaranteed? That's another thing. Like if you can force your opponent to take a broken ranks where they don't want to, or take a slay the warlord where they don't want to, like that tyrant in my list that you'll see is pretty resilient. Um, because of, you know, all the stuff that you can put on him. You can get him to a two up safe fairly easily, you know, and minus one to hit for shooting and or a wound. But there's so in, anytime you can force your opponent into picking a a, a non-guaranteed battle tactic, and this list kind of does that pretty well too. It's don't ruin Christmas. And, don't 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 open up the present just yet. We'll go to your list. Yeah. We will, I guarantee it. But I want yeah, no, before no, I no. <laughs> Yeah. just so excited like it's good it's good but i get one thing i want to talk about though before i just want actually two things actually one one is why underguts because you've got meat fist you've got blood gullet a lot of people it seems play blood gullet or maybe my perception yeah. is that blood gullet's the more popular build i don't see a lot of meat fist um what is no, it for you to been... underguts yeah meat fist has been bad for a while just right from the get-go and they're like in the lore they're the strongest ones. They are the yeah. winners, but there's no good. But underguts, believe it or not, it was lead belchers, and it was the lead belcher combat profile. Um, like very similar gluttons. Gluttons have three attacks, threes and threes, no red, two damage. Well, lead belchers are threes and threes, red one, two damage. Um, and it's only two attacks. So they, get, they lose an attack and they get a rent and the shooting as well. Again, like I said, when I played uh, against those wind spirits, I I was playing Archeon and all kind of stuff. And and, and, and I was like, it's over. Um, you can't, you got to have something for shooting in, in your, in your list now. And I went real heavy into it. Um, I decided with underguts, I wanted like the, the iron blasters really mess with things also uh, with their ranges and being able to get two shots on them uh, is really good. It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember when the corn book dropped and uh, skull cannons for like five seconds. Yeah. They, they two, two weeks. Shots. Like, yep. Yep. That, and that's why I don't do any list talking shows until the FAQ drops. Cause I learned from face hammer to like buffing up the skull cannons, buff up the skull cannons with like Mr. Whippy. 
And yep. then, like two weeks later, it changed. Yes, I, it got I nerfed. It was like rap yeah. muggers can't affect them anymore. And that, and you're effectively doing the same thing in this list. You have almost the same shooting profile and damage profile, and you're allowing it to shoot twice. So it's, it's pretty good, and it and it can threaten across the board very easily, or, or you know, always. I, I can force my opponent, who generally wants to be a mid board grindy army. I can force him to come to me and come off of the objectives. Um, it, Austin, I went for him one there too at the U.S. Open Austin. And Evan, you know Evan Miller, he was laughing because every time he would come to my table, there would be a mid-board, grinding, mid-board style kind of grindy army in my deployment zone punching Noblars because I would do so much damage with the shooting that I would make him come to me. Like It was like, okay, I got to go deal with that. Or at least I put that in their head that, you, I got to go deal with those cannons or I'm just going to get killed on the objectives. Um, so it, it really can reach out and it really only takes one shooting phase it, for you to spike a couple of sixes on, on one of those cannons and, and do 12 damage to something. And the, the, your opponent gets real antsy, you know, they start getting shell shock and they don't want to stand on the objective anymore. They want to come fight you. No, and that is, that is exactly where you want them. You want to come fight. Um, but it's interesting, like I look at the lead belcher, lead belcher profile and like I look at the the fact that it goes from 12 to 18 in the underguts and that's yeah, cool. Like huge. I always felt like 12 inches is not a lot and, you know, you can no. kind of dance around them pretty easily. And you look at the profile, like D3 attacks, hits of fours, wounds on threes, ren one for one. It's kind of underwhelming when you think about like just the profile on its own. So mm-hmm. I guess why why would you build around that as opposed to like, or are you well, even building around lead belches? Well, a lot of the the objectives, you know, we start out eighteen to twenty two away from each other on a lot of the battle pack, and the objectives are typically twelve inches in front of like in front of where you start where you deploy, and um, lead belchers can go to eighteen inches here instead of twelve inch. And if they don't move, they get D6 shots instead of D3. So, um, you know, my whole thought process is you can't score the objective if you're dead. So you're going to run up, you know, I'm 15 drops. Most people, when given the opportunity to take the first turn, they take the first turn. And they walk into lead belchers and, I mean, just cannons, just just loads of cannons. They just walk right into it. And, and typically they'll get a couple of rounds of scoring the objectives or maybe even just one before they decide that my army needs to die. And then people are so used to just killing ogres so easy in 3.0, they don't die that easy in 3.0. You're looking at, you know, a a four or, you know, they go to a four plus save with all out defense and you get mystic shield on them. They're at a four plus save, ignoring neg one rend. So, and it's 16 wounds or 12 wounds, however many you have in there. I mean, my big unit is 24 wounds. So it's like you're not going to chew through it and rally as in, in we can rally a four wound model back to a, a unit I was very easily. Ask, I was going to ask you about rally because that's you know, rally sounds like a good idea. The challenge is obviously not being in combat to rally and you want to be in combat. So it's mm-hmm. a good idea, but it's not always good in theory. But if you can retreat and you get the double turn and then you kind of, you know, throw down a rally, um, yeah, and not usually, bad when you're getting four wounds, four wounds a model. Yeah, and usually um, with with the Noblars, you're able to to control that engage a little bit. Like 
So you're not necessarily in combat until you want to be. It's really, to be honest, it's kind of one of the easiest armies to play that I've played in, in a long time. Um, I'm not saying it's an easy army to play because you really got to know what you're doing with it. But once you get it figured out, um, you I mean, it could be consistently 4-1 and, and, and even 5-0 with the right matchups. I mean, the only thing that's really going to struggle with is Seraphon. This, what about at least this version of it? What about some of the other big bads like your long strikes, uh, like your dragons right now? Obviously, Forminators and um, and your Storm Drake Guard uh, terrorizing, or at least you know the hearts and minds people are scared of them. What yeah. about what about those? Like, are you concerned about them? How do you handle them? Um, you know, I think with the long strikes, I'm not so worried about it. I can control you know, where they come in. Granted, it's 30, you know, they got lots of range. So that's where it comes into wound density and nothing in my army mattering enough that, like, because I can control a lot of where they move to with my Noblar deployment with Hrothgorn and with, you know, Black Powder. I have a lot of ways to not mess with what I want to do turn one, but also shut down a lot of the board for those deep strikes and those, you know, those relocations and all, all the stuff that they have. And dragons, you know, if somebody comes in and spikes a lot of damage with a dragon, my iron blasters are only one, you know, each one of them is its own individual unit. So if you want to go heavy and kill one, that's fine. Those two iron blasters are going to get buffed up against monsters, and they're probably going to take out two or three dragons in a, in a single turn. So I'm not necessarily worried about it. Um, but, you know, that's where the, the Noblar play. You have to know what you're doing and get your screens in the right position to be able to shut down parts of the board. Um, that's that's the big part of how you deal with dragons. And long strikes, I played them, and maybe I need more play against them. I played them a couple of times. I played one in a tournament at Austin, and it came up. Um, I think what hurts you against this list is, is knowing what to shoot. So you can have 30 damage turn one from your shooting, from your alpha shooting, but if you don't know what to shoot, it doesn't matter. Um, so there's nothing in here that matters enough that I lose and I wanted, the game I, if I, I get alpha. And I wanted to call that out because I think one thing that I like about the Ogre build, and we'll get the list up in a minute, I feel like a Demtel ad. Like, but wait, there's more. There's more. It's coming yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, um, it's like, like, like – but I think one thing that, you know, when you look at like a long strike build or a, a Sentinel build or like anyone that's kind of throwing out their power from long range – there's those critical targets they want to pull down and they'll be very, very hero synergistic, right? They want to pull down Kragnos. They want to pull down the superhero or that support buff, you know, troop that is five mm -hmm. wounds, six wounds that is supercharging a hero. You know, Fire Slay is a perfect example. You want to pull out those rune sons, rune smiter, rune lords. But, uh, and obviously every army has that type of hero in their list. But for you, you're just a big wad of meat. Like you yeah, just a meatball and kill kill my tyrant. Cool story. Like okay, I've still cool. got all these big fatties on the board. Yeah. Okay. You killed my tyrant, and now I am my basically minus one to hit with shooting now against heroes and monsters. And a lot of people, a lot of those, you know, long strike list, they're not even running heroes and monsters that I'm wanting to shoot at anyway. So mm -hmm. I mean, I so it's like I still hit exactly the same way against your long strikes once you kill my tyrant so it's a, this is like you can't nothing in here matters enough and will end the game if you take it away from me you have to play 
five battle rounds versus this ogre list. You got to play them all. I think I think this is your new official title, Brian Lofton, big wad of meat. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's fitting. Oh, let's, let's stick it. Like, but you know, like one one thing to consider as well is you're my first guest with the new hunt rules, the new battle scroll abilities. Do you think that would play a part in some of the the tournaments that you've played against, or you know, moving forward, you know, because you're you're not any prime oh, yeah. hunters. None none of your armies are prime hunters, but also none of your armies are priority targets. So you're not giving away any VP, yeah. and you are playing against some of these priority targets. You know, again, you could you know, there's a whole seventeen of them, right? Yeah. Um, how do you think that would play with ogres, given that yeah, you're you're giving nothing away and you're only getting extras in return? Well, you know, um, every time I've played Gargants against Gargants a lot, and every time I've lost to them, it's been by one to three points. And I've tabled them every game and lost by one to three points. So, you know, that's for each one of those Gargants, that's a win. On every one of the games that I've lost, lost to Gargants have been that close. And I've tabled them. You know, so just in that one example alone, you know, it's, it's a, it takes me from a loss to a win. Um, I, I can't think of anything else that I've played against. Like, but I, I think anything that can get extra victory points and not, and also not believe that it, it's a plus. Um, the big, the big problem I saw with that battle scroll thing is everyone was like, "Oh well, ninety percent of the armies that are getting the extra points can't kill these things anyway." Well, I think you probably can in some of those books, but you got to find it. Like, it's not going to jump off the page at you. You have to go dig for it. There's a lot of synergies that this far into age of sigmar that we like this book came out feel it doesn't feel like it like two years ago and we're just kind of getting into some of these synergies now not yeah 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 the book the book is what two three years old the yeah. aos3 is nine months old and you know i think one th thing to consider as well is we're probably three months away approximately from a new general's handbook. Yeah. So what realm do we play in? Is there going to be still monster incentives or is it going to be, yeah. I don't know, priests and wizards? It could be battle line. It could be, I don't know. I don't know. And, and how that kind of changes the game a little bit. I think the other consideration, and maybe I want to get your thoughts on this one, is a couple of those priority targets are your shooters, right? Your long strike, your sentinels, mm -hmm. your bow snakes. There was a whole list of them, right? Those real power projection. Oh, yeah. um, would that change your priority targets? Are you are you now going to use your iron blasters and your lead belts just to try to bring down those long strike sentinels, bow snakes, any more than you already were? No, I don't think so. I think those are the first things that you're trying to get off the board anyway. Like those are where most of their damage comes from. So I, I don't think it's going to change how I play with this particular list. I think with some of my other lists, maybe. You know, um, but I still think when you're playing against Sentinels and Long Strikes and Bow Snakes, that's like 75% of the army's damage. So you're wanting to get that off the board as fast as you can anyway. The only problem yeah. is do you have an army that can do it? And this army can do it. Like this and army that's probably puts, the key. Yeah, it puts, it puts Bow Snakes in timeout. Because, I mean, you come up and try to shoot me, well, I'm going to shoot back. And that's probably the key that I've seen a lot of iron uh, gut buster lists uh, that I've at least played in both in second and third edition have never really leaned into shooting. Um, I've seen like one list throw around a bunch of scrap launches for lols, 
that yeah. I haven't actually seen someone build and go deep into the iron blaster and the lead belchers. It's been more around the iron guts and the uh, what's the other combat dudes? You'll you uh, right? right. It's always yeah, yeah. It's always been like very melee focused. You want to use the plus two movement to get up to the board, do the impact charges, the mortal wounds, and then just use those big wad of meat to grind mm -hmm. down on the objectives. But here is the list that you ran at the Lone Star GT. Um, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot, you know, ultimately it's 15 drops. So, you know, curious on why you haven't gone battle regiment to try to reduce those drops. Um, and you, I'm sure you'll explain this to me, but basically mm -hmm. you have the black powder buccaneers. You've got the butcher with the cleaver with the nobler keg, a blast keg, which is your sub faction um, artifact. You've got the blubber gut stench. You've also got a horth, is it Hrothgar Gorn? Hrothgorn, yeah. Hrothgorn. Um, yeah. And his amazing uh, man trappers. Absolutely love that bloody unit. Um, you've got the tyrant, who's the general with the massive scars and the trophy rack. Then you've got four iron blasters. You've got the man trappers, obviously. You um, lead belch. You've got three units of lead belchers and two units of noblars. You've got one reinforced lead belcher. Sorry, I was just laughing at Haywo who said, if you can't be two, you might be 15. And that's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, you like, might if as you well. Can't I mean, go... Yeah, you're, he's absolutely right. I agree. Oh, I'll let you go. I cut you off. Two... No, 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 not at all. Not at all. 2,000 points. Um, You've gone 15 drops and 182 wounds. What is this list? What is it all about? <laughs> how does it win? Talk me about how it all kind of comes together because this looks like a big list of what the F2, probably the average person. Okay. Um, yeah, so when, when we got the winner FAQ and the points drops, um, my list dropped down to 1,895 points because I was playing it in like 1945 or 1940 or something like that. It was a ridiculously low amount of points. Um, and then Gorlock Black Powder came out. And, and the thought process was, do I put 20 more Noblars or to fill those points? Because, you know, 20 more Noblars is just more screen and could go out on its own and do its own thing. But then the Black Powder War Scroll dropped. And it was insane. Just for t the laugh when you, you know, take Destroyer off of a Maw Crusher that didn't realize that he got within three inches of Gorlock. So... So that, that was just an additional, it was kind of just extra, it was extra there when when the points drops. But the initial was Hrothgorn, um, the Tyrant, and the Butcher as the heroes. And like I said earlier, with scoring, you want to achieve, you want to, you know, tech in easy battle tactics. And Hrothgorn is an easy savage spearhead right off the bat. Um, and that's three usually drops. one. Is it, is it three drops? Yes, it's three units. Um, so when when he comes in, he puts in a, a frost saber. So he puts three units on the board when he comes in. So it's an easy savage spearhead, um, and you and so a lot of people want to do that. What do they call it? What is that one? Ferocious advance, turn one. Yes. Um, you're not really like you're dropping him in to get savage spearhead, and you're not messing with the rest of the army. He is his own piece that is just annoying to deal with. You'll drop him off in the corner, and unless they turn something big around, then they're not going to deal with him in a single turn. Um, I've dropped him before. I've dropped him nine away from the Shadow Queen, and 
charged in and put three wounds on the Shadow Queen, and then he died. But it didn't matter. It was three wounds on the Shadow Queen. I wasn't going to get there any other way. Um, and it just started the clock on her. You know, that's always the problem with Marathi. As long as you can keep that clock running, she's not that scary. You got to chip so away early. You're going to be putting wounds on her ASAP. Um, yeah. Because when, when she goes turn three and she's Hulkamaniaing, re-rolling ones to hit, re-rolling mm -hmm. ones to wound, re-rolling ones to charge, she's, like, doing all these things. Like Mind racer, away. Brew, all this stuff. She's nuts. Yeah. So, um, and the thought process of was he would be off on his own doing his own thing. And then that was what helped me come to the decision of Gorlock is how much fun I had with Rothgorn. And then I thought, well, there's another one that can be off on his own. He has to start on the board, but Rothgorn starts in deep strike. So Savage Spearhead usually right off the bat, an easy battle tactic. Or if we're playing the vice and you mess up and come off of your back objective, I take your back objective and get conquer. So... I'm going to put up the hand to the teacher because there is um, a really good comment as well that Gavin had called out. And I think it's really worth considering this one, right? Gavin had mentioned that um, I'll deploy uh, Hothgorn, Hothgorn, whatever his name is, um, and I'll go to the bathroom before you deploy your army. Uh, while oh, yeah. you deploy your army, sorry. That's now, it. That's, it's, that's, a, that's a joke, <laughs> right? But no, that's behind... legitimately happened. Like it's... Correct. Behind the joke, most people are trying to build a one, two, or three drop. So what it means is within one unit, you are going to see the whole potentially the board uh, the, the board because your opponent is not allowed to split up deployment anymore. Back in the ye old day, you go one drop at piecemeal it on the table. Now yeah. you got to go all in. So if you're going all in, you're going to see the whole board and where you want to put everything else now. So while it's a joke, it's um. Yeah, and even, it's even two drops because it's Frothgorn and then the Man Trappers. And it's like, yeah, go ahead and, and deploy your army. And like, legitimately, I'll, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back when you get your army on the table. And, and that makes people play really cagey because none of your army's on the table. And you also got your first units of Deep Strike. So now I have to start thinking about all of that. And you force decision-making for your opponent. And anytime you can force decision-making – there's room for error in that decision making. So the more decisions you can make your opponent make over the course of that two and a half or three hour game, the more likely they are to make a wrong one. And then you can capitalize on it. Quick question. Noops. Um, no black powder is two, mo two units. I'm just a potato and I forgot to put the black powder buccaneer. Oh no, he's unit. just one unit. I, oh, is it just one unit? Oh, so I was yes. right. Okay. I, so because often you see the hero and then the unit are two different drops little weird he he's so basically he has his wounds and then he has ablative wounds that can pull off at, at his crew and one of them has a five up ward that you can if you make it he can stay alive so basically you take the six wounds on Hrothgorn I mean on black powder and then you start pulling minions until they're gone so he's effectively 11 wounds to deal with 12 I'm sorry 12 wounds he's effectively 12 wounds on the table yeah, because he's said he's a seven wound base, but then he's got all these minions. What does he do? Like, I, I I'll be honest, I have not looked at this uh, black powder okay. buccaneer. Like, it's a bloody cool model. Like, pirate Pete over here with his, uh, you know, big sword and his eye, you know, his gut plate. But outside of like being a cool model, I actually had never looked at the war scroll. What is it doing, and what is it bringing to the table other than the fact that? It's all about black powder, and you've got the iron blasters and the lead belchers. So, like, it's you know, ten out of ten lore and um, narrative there. 
Yeah, well, he's really like he's a another piece that's kind of like Hawthorne, where he can screen out a portion of the board. He can he does a lot, but he has a shooting. He has a really good shooting attack, and one of his minions gives him plus one to hit shooting and combat while it's alive. So he has a shooting profile that's twos and threes, neg one d three damage, which is one of the best, if not the best, shooting profile in the whole ogre book. Um, and then he has a combat profile that's really good too. So he's just kind of this standalone little juggernaut that if you put five wounds on an objective to hold it, he's going to kill him. Or if you put 10 wounds, he could, you know, realistically go up there and chop that unit down. Or at least force you to spend points on a battle shock that you didn't want to spend. Okay. So he, he's really tough. He's really fun. And then again, him and Hrothgorn are like secret agents in this army. Like you have what would be your conventional gunline army with the ogre stuff. And then you have Hrothgorn and Black Powder just running around being generally annoying and being where you didn't want to have to deal with that board space. You know where my army's at. You know what you got to kill to make me stop doing damage to you. But you also have an annoying Hrothgorn and Gorlock Black Powder running around just being a general pain. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at his War Scroll right now. I'm just revisiting. And, like, it's a bit of a meh. Like, you know, you got this legendary looter ability that if you're within three inches of a, an enemy with an artifact of power, you roll 2d6 and on a 12 plus. But if you've got one of the minions, you add plus two and essentially you remove an artifact on at best a 10 up, right? Like, no, at best a seven. You get plus one to the roll for every minion and then oh. one of them is plus two. So oh, yeah, K KG gives you the plus two, and then it says every other minion gets plus one, right? So the average dice roll on 2d6 is a seven. So for the average 2d6 dice roll, you take destroyers are off of a maw crusher, or you take sandals yeah. off of a giant. Um, assuming that it hasn't lost reasonable. any minions. Yeah, yeah, assuming there's no minions gone. And it happens at the start of combat phase. So you'll always, unless he's been shot at, you'll always have at least one shot. Um to take an artifact away if, if you're in with something big like that. Because other than that, like he doesn't synergize with anything. Like, you know, you've got no. one of them, one of the minions allows you, uh, you know, if you're within three inches on a five up, it deals a mortal wound, uh, a shooting attack, 18 inches on a five up, it's a mortal wound. There's a couple of nice abilities, but it's all relatively self-contained as opposed to the black powder synergizing with something else. Yeah. And one of the issues I had, um, was from the when I went with to Austin with it was challenging, you know, forcing my opponent to commit something to uh, certain areas of the board instead, instead of allowing them to, you know, have their whole army focused on my screen and my gun line. Well, Black Powder just forces them to deal with an objective, say, on the left side of the table, while Rothgorn makes them deal with something on the right side of the table. And you're just forcing them to send pieces of their army in other directions or he'll just sit there and score, you know, and, um, and Hrothgorn will do the same. Basically, you're just forcing your opponent to win in the movement phase with these things. And if, and if they're, and again, even then, if you make them, if they think they have to dedicate more than they do to killing that, that's one more round of your screen being completely fresh, completely untouched, and you're still sitting there shooting everything. Um, so he totally doesn't do anything with the rest of the army. He is 100% just like a, like 
a, a secret agent, like a saboteur. He's out there doing crazy things to draw fire and draw attention. And yeah. more and to be honest with you, most... he does. Yeah, and, and like otherwise you, you just ignore him because you're looking at the lead belchers, the iron blasters. You're trying to get mm -hmm. through those knob blast screens. Talk to me about the butcher and the way you're using the more pot. Are they kind of like, you know, the, the mega powers or are you moving that's, your butcher away from the the um the more pot yeah that's kind of game game to game like sometimes like if i'm playing against an army like seraph hunter or Illuminate that can get d3 mortals on me pretty quickly i'll keep the mall pot in range for that turn one kick the pot to get me back up to where you know full so basically if all like i've had players that the only thing they were able to get on me with seraph on is you know d6 or d6 d3 mortal wounds so I'm able to kind of withstand that um, pretty well. But a lot of times what I'll do is just clog a piece of the board up with it. Um, and then I know that if I go towards, usually it's to where the objective that I think the game's going to be played on, I'll put it near that objective as close as I can. And we'll get up there eventually to it. Um, but it's also impassable. So that's another thing that you got to be careful with, especially BCR players. I've seen BCR players use their ball pot and stick it and then have to go all the way around it um, and really mess with their own movement. So you don't want to, you want it close enough to where you can get to it when you need it, but not so um, close that it becomes an issue. Like sometimes I'll use it as part of my screen. Sometimes it'll be just like mid board waiting for us to get to that objective. So, and then the plus one to cast is nice, but the only time you're really trying to get a spell off is blubber grub stench and it's on a five. So, and if someone can stop that, they were already going to stop it. Probably like the, the really high, the really effective magic armies that weren't going to let me get that. We're probably going to stop that whether I had the plus one or not. So it just, so you're, all, the game. So you're always going with the blubber, grub, the, the blubber grub stench. Uh, oh, over yeah. the voracious moor, that's your default spell. Oh, yeah. Um, because the moor is a good spell. Um, but the blubber Short gut, range. yeah, what is it? It's a like 12 or may, like maybe 18. It's very short. It's 18. It's 18. It's yeah. an enemy unit within 18. And it's okay when you when you don't need blubber grub stench, but typically when you're worried about that spell going off, it's because they're in your lines and you're ready to clear your life. Now, the, I mean, the army just like the Noblars hold the line long enough for the ogres to whittle down enough. And then once about, you know, a third or half of your army's off the table from the shooting, then it explodes out. And more times than I can count, I've been told I had no idea you were going to do that kind of damage in melee. Like, I, you know, they just see a shooting attack. And then, you know, lead belchers come blasting out with two damage attacks. So they're pretty good. So again, with Black Powder, the whole goal was he was going to do is he and Hrothgorn are just agents out there causing mischief and just being a, a, just a general pain. While the rest of your army, the real meat of your army is that tyrant and that butcher sitting there, the tyrant giving off a 12-inch bubble of plus one to hit against heroes and monsters for your for – your, um, Iron well, for everything, everything in that bubble. The lead belchers get it too. Um, so you got that bubble of plus one to hit against heroes and monsters. And that's from the gruesome trophy rack. And then he has, um, well, any hero has the command ability from Underguts, which is plus one shot on the iron blasters. So, so you got eight shots coming off of those iron blasters for 
you know, what is roughly the equivalent of 500 points at eight shots, threes, twos, Nick, two D6 damage. Um, if, if I mean, I think everybody, if they were told they could take a 500-point monster that had eight attacks at threes and twos, Nick, two D6 damage, they would take it. But they look at that Iron Blaster War Scroll by itself, and they're like, ah, it's crap. But if you paint it, if you put that on a Kragnos face and gave that to Kragnos, I, they would take it. For anyone who doesn't know what the Blubber Grub stench is, it essentially is an 18-inch bubble from the caster, and it makes Rhinox counting as monsters for the purpose of the... Only it, for the charge. For, for, for the, the, the uh, charge ability, yeah, the trampoline charge. Yeah. Um, two burning questions before we move into the troops. Um, from a tyrant point of view... Do you have a preferred big name that you you use? Yeah, uh, Fate Seeker. It changes his his, uh, his save characteristic uh, from a four to a three. So it's the characteristic change, which means you can still stack and get him down to a two-up save and stack some more saves on him. So, I mean, he's hard to kill with shooting unless you've got some serious shooting. I've had lots of people say, I'm going to take Slay the Warlord and then shoot at him with everything they got and not kill him because – the mass of scars is minus one to wound versus shooting. So he can sit there and make most of his saves too. So he's, I mean, making him that survivable versus shooting was, was necessary. But then again, nothing in the list is necessary. If he dies, oh, well, I lose a little bit of efficiency. I lose like 10% efficiency. It's still, they're still ogres. They still do pretty well. Um, and... <laughs> So, sorry, I'm just going hey, no hey, hey, just, just calling it out. Haywo hey, saying uh, Fate Seeker would be his choice, but say, Fate Seeker is a, a close second. And then once in a while, he'll choose Fate Seeker. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of hearing that maybe I wouldn't go Death Cheater. I wouldn't go Long Strider. I would go Fate Seeker. Sure. Just, I mean, I wish there was another way that I could give him, give him another plus one. Because remember what happens when you get your save characteristic to one, you're ethereal. Remember the Stilodon? So if I could get him a little lower, it'd be nice. But, but I guess you've kind of explained, especially in this safe stacking kind of meta and being able to reduce the, the amount of rend, um, that would be clearly a favorite over Death Cheater because, you know, I could Death Cheater. I'm like, okay, cool. On the surface, getting an extra wound could be the difference between him dying and not dying. But when you think about the ability to negate damage, Look, it obviously won't save you with mortal wounds. And if someone yeah. tries to shoot with long strikes and bow snakes and all, you know, in certain yeah, that's how he usually dies when he dies. So yeah, your crew of boys with your man shoot skewers, like they're going to pop in. But for everything else, um, having the two, I'm sorry, the three up save, maybe a two up um, with Mystic Shield or like Defense, Finest Hour, all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's just going to be much more valuable in thick of combat. Like, it's happened multiple times where my opponent's like, well, I'm going to take Slay the Warlord because he's out in the middle of the table. And then I just say, okay, finest hour. And then he's probably already got Mystic Shield on him, and then you save the point for all that defense. And outside of Mortal Wounds, you're not killing him. Like, yeah, yeah. Talk to me what, what, one other question in the hero phase, and we'll move. Actually, two, two, actually. There's one one thing that's burning, one thing that's, like, a optional. Why no Slaughtermaster? You often see Slaughtermasters in the list. It's like the, the, the trio, right? You see the Tyrant, the Butcher, and the Slaughtermaster. Yeah. Why no Slaughtermaster? Um, the model is a pain. Like, that's why. That's what it came down to it for me, is I had easy access to two Butchers, and I didn't have a Slaughtermaster. And I, 
And everyone that I talked to said how much of a pain it was. And I get sometimes you're going to pull some stuff out of a pot, but every time I've played someone with him, he either hurts himself or he heals at a, at a time where you don't need healing. Like he never gets anything good. So <laughs> that's my butcher, experience. Yeah, the butcher's just better. He has a good combat profile too. And like I just take the butcher. He's just better. And he was cheaper at the time, I think, by like five points, maybe 10 at the time when I made the list originally. So. I don't know, just building that fine cast model and having the randomness. You already have enough randomness in that army. You don't need to add more. You know, so, okay, yeah, he's going to heal when you don't have exactly any what I had. <laughs> he always pulls out bad meat when you need it the most, and it grinds my gears because it's so swingy. Like, it works really well, you know, and I think you get more consistency from the butcher. But – what are the five belly and the man eaters? Um, and I don't know if anyone saw me on Twitter today, uh, if, you, if you're watching it live, but I noticed in the Australia um, warehouse, four of the man eater sculpts are actually no longer available. And in other regions, it's one or two of them. So I'm wondering if the fine casts are being phased out. And maybe, or who knows, maybe there's new man eaters. Some classic man eaters? That would be maybe. awesome. I don't know, but, uh, but, but it's not like temporarily unavailable. It is now no longer available. Like this is not available. Like the bearded, the bearded one. The, I think the ninja was gone. The ninja uh, one. Oh, I like that. that was my yes. favorite. Well, one. if it, if if it's, if it's available, go buy it from the store because at least in yeah. Australia and some other regions, they're starting to like be no longer available. But back to my question: Fire Belly Man Eater, where are they at? Why are they not on your list? Well, Fire Belly super cool, but most of his magic is really short range and. Um, there was once upon a time, a long time ago, when I first bought these ogres that I was really looking forward to slant, taking a fire belly and putting him on uh bellwind vortex and just dropping, you know, fire belly nukes all over the planet, you know, that he, he gets at best plus one to, to say, or to cast. And most of his spells are on like an eight. He, and he's, you know, fire bellies are awesome, but they just have no place. I mean, I guess, bill, what is it? Billowing ash. That's probably the best spell, the minus one to hit bubble. And he's got to be basically in combat to help you guys, to help your guys out. And he probably just dies if he's in combat. So um, the butcher is more your standard kind of backline caster until he has to blow up. Or the fire belly is like a frontline caster, but he doesn't have the, the profile to match a frontline caster. Like a frontline caster should be relatively resilient because he's, if, if the, the short range of his spells, then you would think in your mind, if his ranges are all this short, then he's a frontline guy. He should be a little tougher, but I don't know. I've never seen a fire belly have any real lasting effect in a game where the butcher can really take things over with a couple of different spells. And, and like Christopher said as well, I've never seen anyone use man eaters in their list. And that is true. I've actually never seen a man eater in, in, in age of Sigma fantasy battles. Yes. Uh, age of Sigma. I've never seen these models and, I'm looking at it now, you know, you they're kind of like the, the, the Grimrath Berserker where you kind of – you get like a little ability for it specifically. It's self-contained whether mm -hmm. you get to reroll ones to hit for me melee weapons, reroll ones to hit with its missile weapons. It can run and charge or it doesn't take battle shock. So they're self-contained, what, four wounds apiece, five up. Yeah, but I think well, units like that have been phased out by these warbands that we're getting, these Underworlds warbands and things like that. Like those old kind of niche units that were cool 
you had them in there because they were a cool model and you liked the model and it had a cool little ability. Like those are just getting kind of phased out um, with the war bands. Like the war bands, for this, for this army particularly, like you're never going to take a man eater over Gorlock Black Powder. Like he's never going to do it. He's just better. Or Hrothnorn. Okay. Like you're never going to take one of the, like, though. They basically kind of feel that same role because that's what man eaters were. They were kind of your, you're out on their own kind of secret agent outside of your core army, and Hrothgorn and Blackpowder just do that better. I'd li- I'd like to see them like the Grimwrath Berserker, where they're a hero but not a leader, and you take them oh, in ones. Awesome. And I think that'd be cool. That you know, having a un- I-, I just re looked at it. I'm like, oh, they're a unit of three. No wonder. Why would I want a unit of mm-hmm. three of generic? Who cares? when I could do three of something else. All right, that, that's enough of those random weird units we don't see, and I think you've kind of explained why we don't see them very often. But talk to me about the magic here. You've got your double noblars, you've got your big units of lead belts, including a, uh, a single reinforced unit, and then you've got your four big iron blasters, things that I have not seen in a fair while. And when people do, it's usually like one iron blaster. It's never four. Yeah. Well, it's never four. they are swinging. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you um, when you do lose your tyrant, they're swinging. They're hitting on fours. They're still wounding on twos. And even the damage is D6. So that's what led into – and then I wanted to combine it with Blubber Grove Stench. And then and Gavin and I were really looking at this list really hard coming back from uh, the New Orleans Open, uh, from U- or U.S. Open New Orleans last – or last year? Yeah, last year. And we were looking at this, and, and we both liked it a whole lot. And um, it was that those Iron Blasters, people looked at them as, as that, that shooting unit. Like we've talked about, the Blubber Grub Stench is just really it, – it'll catch you off guard. Like you come charging into my lines, you kill all my Noblars, and now you're ready to get into the gu- – because most people think once I get into Ogres, if I can control that engage, I'll just kill all the Ogres. Well, you, you come through – there's usually like 40 wounds of Noblars. You usually leave a couple. So you leave yourself stuck in combat, which allows me to control the engage. And then um, the Iron Blasters with the shooting, they'll usually clear like enough and then go charging in um, and do, like I said, I've done 21 mortal wounds with four of those on the charge. And that's without Kragnos. I can't even think about how, how nuts it would be with Kragnos in there to help supplement those iron blasters. But um, like with being with these unit choices also ties into um, being 15 drops or 14 drops. When I first made the list, it was, I don't really, I have the wound density, so I don't care who goes first. I don't care if I get out, but I have the screens and the wound density. Um, And I want to see where your whole army is going to be because iron blasters have a seven inch move base. They're ogres, so they get two inches of extra movement because they're not in combat. So you're talking about 24 inches of shooting with a nine-inch move. So even bow snakes, I outrange you. Without a, a uh, iron scale there to give you the run and shoot or, or being in Calibron to get you to teleport, I outrange you. I can just sit you know, just outside of 32 away from you, and you can't shoot me, and I can shoot you. Um, and that's how it's allowed me to really control the flow of games is I'll sit there outside of your threat range, but still be in mine. And then 
you have to give me the turn thinking that I'm just going to walk up into your damage, but the only thing I'm going to do is clear enough a space big enough to go out with them, or I don't do anything. It doesn't it doesn't have to get in a hurry. The the list really plays five battle rounds. Like you're just it doesn't blow anybody away on points usually. It doesn't score a lot of points, but usually by battle round three, if you haven't broken through the Noblar screen, then you're getting tabled. And that's just kind of how it works out. With your missile weapons, I'm assuming, just connecting the dots here, that you are preferably going through the cannonball as opposed to the hail short shot. Oh, yeah. Because of the I mean, rent two? Get... Yeah, from the rent two. Because, I mean, safe stacking is all over the place. Um, and then, you know, it's not as easy trying to do the math on damage like we used to. You know, we used to think the average save is a four-plus save. We'll do, you know, our damage rolls against a four-plus save now. I mean, I think we're more likely the average save is a three plus save and even as common as a two plus save out there. So you really got to force them to, to a four, you know, you got to force anything you can force to a four, like Kragnos, um, force him to a four and then maybe he can buff himself up for another round or two. But the thought process, like I said, the thought process was let control the turn order by not caring who takes it. Like, yeah. Whatever, I see your whole army and then deal with the alpha by there just being so much of, of the army. And, and again, none of it mattering enough to, to where I can be alpha and still be like a lot of armies get alpha and they just lose the game on turn one or turn two or they they don't win priority on turn two and they just lose. Well, this army very rarely is going to just lose if it doesn't get priority, right? Yeah, you're just playing. You're playing the, the again the the meat wad, just moving up the board, grinding yeah. it out, taking the damage, dealing it in return, and you are grinding. You're as nurgle as you possibly can. You're just, you yeah. know, but without the low bodies, right? And yeah, you you're taking the damage, but usually they can't. Like they kill one, maybe two ogres in a unit, and then I rally one back, and then I kick the pot or kick the pot first, and then rally them back. I mean, it's just. It's hard to get to get it off the board. Um, and to what Haywise mentioned as well, like with with the underguts, you know, you, you you're super swingy, right? Especially if you're going in with the cannonball, which is one shot. So you're getting four shots maximum from your iron blaster batch. You know, hitting on fours, you know, get it down to threes at best. Um, hitting on two, ren ren minus two for d six. It could only be one damage still, right? So it's super yep. swingy. So. I guess going for better target priorities, let's say, for example, like you said, the the long strikes, so the, the archers, the, um, the the bow snakes, they're on like five ups, six ups, four up saves. So, you know, the red minus two will really hurt. And, you know, you could start clearing those things pretty quickly mm -hmm. compared to would I be shooting my iron blasters into fulminators? Nah, nah. <laughs> that's a bit, of, that's a Hail Mary. Well, they actually have eight shots each with this list. Because the Underguts command ability puts out a bubble of, you know, plus one shot. So I actually have killed sure, Terminators yes. with them. So because of eight that, shots, you know, you're looking at eight shots on threes and twos. So you're going to get four through roughly every turn. Four shots. That's assuming that your, your Tyrant's not dead. Like as long as you Tyrant. Oh, yeah. Is it your well, against, I guess you're right. Against Fulminators, I wouldn't get the plus one. It, it would still be fours. So against Fulminators, yes. I mean... At that point, I'm just making the dice go well, you know. Um, but yeah, it's only against the monsters. 
So against Stormcast and stuff like that, you don't get the bonus. Yeah, it's if your tyrant's not dead. No, I'm because just thinking through, like just 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 because they'll go, they'll 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 target your uh, you know with a long strike, especially with the Holy Command, they'll go for that linchpin if they're oh a, yeah um, a smart yes yeah yeah eight shots with the double shot. Thank you. Yes, hey whoa. Um, but you know, like if if you if you're not got that experienced player, and I think one of the cool things about playing a army like this, which is off meta, is it's hard to un- understand where the linchpin is. Oh, yeah. So often, often you'll play a list like this once, and people won't quite know. Game two and game three, they've kind of hopefully learnt by then. But you'll get one up, not from an I gotcha moment, but they just won't know yeah. that killing the tyrant is a linchpin. And by doing this, you then reduce by X and Y. And yeah, absolutely, that's a huge strength for the army. Like so many times, uh, you know, you walk up to the table, and I automatically have the knowledge advantage. Because especially if you're playing against something that's the more popular, the more meta build, like I know what it does because everyone knows what it does. And then it's like, are you familiar with underguts? Like, nope. <laughs> well, and then you you yeah. still you, you you do everyone does it. Every good every good friendly player is going to rattle off everything your army does. But in that five minute spiel, they're not going to remember most of it. Um, so. It comes down to, like you said, target priority, knowing what to take off the board, what to shoot at. I mean, long strikes are a bunch of damage, but it's it's still a limited amount of damage, and it needs to shoot a priority target, or it's just you know wasted. And then, and they, they they need those those sixes to spike as well. But I think it's just like you know against those tough. T- and I know you mentioned earlier, you know, you're thinking about uh, the Gavins, the Noahs, the um, you know all those top players, you know, all of the guys. They'll know the linchpin, but in the average tournament, most people won't know where to pull it down. I think it does take a whole bunch of list tech, but again, know your army really well. It gives you um, gives you confidence and faith that playing off meta lists, because most people can look at a top list and go, right, you know, people have discussed them in the past. This is how you kill bow snakes and Marathi. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do against uh, dragon lists or, you know, living city lists. You're going to watch out for this with, you know, your, your Zench list, your Legion of the First Prince list. But this, you're like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, what do I kill? And it's so much once it's on the table. Yeah. I mean, it, it sits there and it's, it's a lot of bodies. And it's, like you said, they just sit there and they go, what do I kill? What, what am I going to kill that's going to affect the outcome of this game? I think and, Gareth, and the answer is, oh, what's? I think Gareth is trying to start an East Coast versus Midwest war with calling it, saying that uh, Dallas players would focus their long strikes on Noblars. Yes, <laughs> like I had, uh, I did play against a long strike player in Austin, and I think he shot. He's the first round he shot at them. We, I think he shot at the eight man unit of lead belchers and killed one or two. And then at that point, he's like, wait a minute, I'm only going to kill one or two by shooting this whole round of shooting. And then he just started shooting at something else. I think he shot at one of the cannons and put like eight wounds on a cannon. Um, it, it just, when you start seeing how little effect your shooting does, even if you can shoot twice, you start, it starts messing with your head. Like, wait a minute, I'm not getting anything done here. I just did a bunch of damage and I took off two ogres. Um, and it really, again, it starts... Forcing decision making. Um, if you can force your opponent to, you know, make a decision there, and they, there's a chance they make the wrong one. Zermorgol, 
if I pronounce that correctly, has asked a really good question. And it's something that we need to consider both whether you're playing a list like this or you're not playing a list like this. You've got IDK coming in right now and, you know, assuming that they have a repopularity into the meta with the Forgotten Nightmares ability being that you, you can only target the closest enemy unit um, as opposed to, you know, getting your own choice. How would that change either this list or your play style, or how, does it have an impact at all? Um, I think it. I think it still plays well in there. I think it, it will have some impact, obviously. But most of Idnetdeepkin's damage is coming through combat. So when you get up here and get into combat, like it's still ogres. Um, it's still, you know, the the eight man unit is still sixteen attacks. Um, you know, threes and threes, neg one two damage. So unless you're running shield deals. Um, predominantly, then you're just going to get banged on. Like you're, and and then the average list that I've seen played with Deepkin is like 80 wounds. So mm-hmm. um, even if you come in and I, I, like I said, I've had it happen where you come in and you do 70 plus wounds to me on turn one or 70 damage, and, and then you have to deal with the swing back. And if ogres double you on that swing back, it's going to be more damage than you are prepared to take in that turn. Because um, they just put out a ton of uh, damage. I mean, with the cannons, if, if ogres doubled you at that point with, and got blubber grub stench off, even if they didn't, it's still probably, you know, Matt, it's still like 10 to 12 mortal wounds that you could clear something that's got a really tough save, like shield deals. And and that, that was literally what I was going to call out is when I play with my sons and I have to go into the shield eels who ignore rent, right? And, and Gargan's damage is all coming through rent. You've got to really make the most of those mortal wounds on the charge to clear that chaff. Then you can shoot into what you want to shoot. So mm-hmm. being able to buff up or, you know, tap into those to clear them. And they went up a little bit in points as well. So maybe you won't see nearly as many as you used to back in the day where you'd have like a unit of six or two units of three. But um, that's where you've got to tap into your mortal wounds on the charge to clear. Then you can shoot what you want to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the army, obviously, I think Deepkin's really good. I, re- I really like the book. I've heard a lot of complaining about it, but I think the book is really strong and it plays really well into the current meta, which is a bunch of shooting. Um, I think this list could do fine because it's shooting damage while it's a lot of damage. Um, I think, from, for, from my opinion, I think Deepkin still wants to fight you in melee. Granted, they got some shooting. Um, but I think they still want to fight you in melee. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's still ogres. So if you want to fight in melee, yeah, let's do it. Like they're still like they're still good at it. And I think Gareth nailed it there where he's talking about, well, you know, traditionally a shooting list isn't very good in melee, right? You know, you get bow snakes into combat, luminous centers into combat. They kind of hit you with a wet pillow. But you can hit in combat as well as hit in shooting. So you've got the best of both worlds. So it kind of works quite well. Something we yeah, didn't quite talk about. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please, please go, keep going. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what my thought process was with the lead belchers. They're better than ogre gluttons in combat, and they can shoot. And they have rend on both profiles. So it's like, if you want to play ogres, I, I, I know everyone hates lead belchers, but I think you should reevaluate them. Which is actually where I was about to transition back to because we didn't quite talk about lead belchers. Before we get into that, quick question. Uh, what's the scariest debuff that your army has faced or what would, what would kind of, you know, ruin your day? Um, minus one damage from Seraphon. 
that messes me up bad because it, it I mean, because I have so many two damage attacks that it cuts my damage in, in half. So right. minus so when you, when one you... damage to Seraph. With, with the Coalesce Seraphon, um, they reduce damage, to, reduce all damage by one to a minimum of one. That is the worst debuff for this army to deal with. Perfect. So I was going to say, it's not it's not Seraphon you're mostly worried about. It's the spe no. specific subset. It's not the uh, Starborn. It is the Coalesce. Coalesce, where, yeah. Yeah, with reducing the amount of damage that you take. Well, you deal. Yeah, that's the number one debuff that hurts this army. That's why Seraphon is a problem. Like, if I didn't have that, if, if they didn't have that, granted, there's a million things you could go down the list and say, if Seraphon didn't have that, they might not be so strong. But that one little thing for this army, because I could close the distance and probably force combat a little earlier than they would want to, but the problem is, is all my two damage attacks are one damage when I get there, so I'm killing nothing. Again, that's why you got to lean into the mortal wounds on the charge again. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I, as, a, as a son's brother, I feel it. I feel it. I run in there with my big swingy couple of attacks, and you're like, cool, I'm going to reduce their damage by one. I'm like, oh, I don't have enough. But you've got your it lead belchers. It never fails. Yeah, oh, go ahead. The lead belchers. Yeah, let's talk about that. I, I just want to talk about the lead belchers because you know, we'll, we'll get into another rabbit hole and we'll completely forget about the lead oh, belchers. Yeah. So you've got two units of three lead. Sorry, you've got two units of lead belchers, and then you've got one that's been reinforced. So I guess, yeah. what well, are they doing? How are they kind of working? Well, they're the, I got the two four-mans, and I have the eight-man. And the eight-man is the Unleash Hell King, even if I moved in my turn, because I didn't move in your turn. So if you come charge into that Noblar screen, and the way that Unleash Hell changed its models within six inches, it didn't affect them at all, because... Unless you charge over somewhere else, and then I just choose a different unit to shoot you with. Um, so they are Unleash Hell monsters. D6 shots. Um, so it's eight D6 shots on Unleash Hell. Granted, they were only, I'm only getting like eight damage through, but it's eight damage that you got to deal with and take to come in and charge me. Plus each one of those units of Noblars, if they roll a six, they'll D3 mortal wound you. Like it's just, it's a lot of little hidden damage throughout here, and that Unleash Hell for that. Lead Belcher unit is, is was a key, you know, kind of factor there. And they just punch better than Gluttons for roughly the same price. And they have a shooting attack. And Iron Guts are just too expensive. Like, I mean, obviously Iron Guts are the king melee unit in that in that side of the book. But they're not worth their points. Just not. A four-up save isn't what it used to be. Um, and... One inch range with neg one rend and all is not what it used to be. So, I, I think I know all the ogre players in the world are like telling me how dumb I am right now and how wrong I am, but they're just not what they used to be. When lead belchers can do it too, and if you yeah. if you're doing your damage in the shooting phase and the combat phase from a lead belcher unit, then I'm forcing my opponent to use two command points to um, to do all out defense. So versus just one, if all my damage is in the in the combat phase, so dragging those, dragging your resources away from your opponent, like forcing them to take an all out defense in the shooting phase, is really good. It's it's a inspiring presence they don't get later, you know. So I like the idea of the iron guts, but because you know they've got they do have the mighty bashing weapons, which is three attacks, threes and threes only rend one and you're paying a lot of points for that unit of iron guts and they yeah. do do three damage right so if it was a higher higher rend or if there was something that was special 
and you're paying for other things that you probably don't quite need right now, like yeah, the, they were rune, the rune wall like, bearer, for example. Like you know, ignoring spells and endless spells on a six. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah, what we do, like Blaze of Corn, to get that as a as an allegiance ability now, and then, and we all cried about it for a week. So it's not I mean, an ability I would want to pay points for. Yeah, and the down to the Iron Guts is such an interesting rule, right? Because, you know, once per battle in the hero phase, if a model has fled, you can re-roll hits, wounds, and save rolls of one, which is great. But it's mm -hmm. such a niche ability, and the setup can be quite difficult that you need to lose a bunch of models. Yep. Um, like, you know, you, you know, you're in combat, so you're getting plus two to bravery, so you're really bravery nine. Your four wounds are PC. You're not losing a lot unless, like, what happened to me where I run Kragnos in there and did a whole bunch of damage. But outside yeah. of Craggy, like, how many Iron Guts are going to flee? Not many. Like, and then I mean, and the points that you're paying for that, like, you, there's armies that just get that easier. Reroll hits, it wounds, and, and saves of one. Like, there's easier ways to get it than a, a model as expensive as an Iron Gut running away to Battleshock. Like, that's, I mean, it's just an ability that's too expensive to actually get where you can, if you think about it, you got the lead belchers with the one damage in the shooting phase and the two damage in the combat phase and both being at neg one rend, you're basically at neg one three damage on their profile. I mean, granted, not all the shooting attacks are going to go through, but I, I would, I challenge anyone um, that wants to bring Iron Guts and throw it into these knoblars and see how many iron guts they have left over after after my shooting phase. Like it's just they're not they're they're too expensive. They should be way less points. Yeah, I think I think points is really stopping you from running points, iron guts properly. Like range that's that's the big one. And rend. The range's not too bad. Like you, you you do lose a lot of the bite attacks, and I think that's probably where the, the hidden value yeah. is that you're not getting all of those gulping bites in so you're not getting nearly the damage you're paying for and you really want to reinforce them at least once if not twice um, yeah. it's just a big and then a lot of times thing. what i've seen with those lists is your screen in those lists is gluttons so you're paying a lot for your screens so they're gluttons like you're not you're granted you're not usually getting the whole unit killed on a turn but you're using gluttons for screens you're using four wound models like i mean i just knoblars are the way now you know and I still think lead belchers are. Yeah, Noblars are a great screen, a really good screen. I wouldn't reinforce them. I would happily just keep – if I need more Noblars, I'd have two units as opposed to yeah. a unit of 40. <laughs> um, but speaking of Noblars, why doesn't this list work with the Scrap Launcher as your artillery over the Iron Blaster? Well, I, I think there's, like, no rend on it. Because your Iron Blasters are there to take down your priority targets. That's what they're there for. And the Scrap Launcher, like, I, I would have loved to model it as a Scrap Launcher and just use it as an Iron Blaster because I, I really like that Scrap Launcher. Like I said, the Noblar's crawling all over it. And you could really do a lot with, like, conversions and, and you know, making your – putting your own kind of flavor on a Scrap Launcher. You could do it with an Iron Blaster too, but it's still just a cannon getting pulled by a Rhinox. Um I just the neg two rend is there to bring down those those hard hitting targets that that your that your um your ogres don't want to fight in combat. So that's what they're there for. Your ogres are not very tanky. Like it's four wounds, but it's four wounds on a five plus save. If you spend a CP, it's a four plus save. So 
they're not they can't take a hit by themselves um and, and so that's what your iron blasters are to deal with they're there to shoot those two plus and three plus say big guys and just hope that they roll a couple of ones and twos and the next thing you know they're on their bottom bracket so yeah and i'm just looking at the ability of the scrap launcher the deadly rain of scraps and um that's just counter meta right now you get plus one to hit and plus one damage or so sorry the damage becomes d6 if the model has 10 or more but in the current yeah. state of the game we're not seeing nearly as many you know 10 or more models and as you mentioned no rend as opposed to the Iron Blaster, which is Ren minus two for that one-shot attack. Yeah, I can see why very clearly with the Iron Blaster you'd want to go that route because both of them are Rhinox. They're both Rhinox key keywords. So you mm -hmm. can use the synergy that you mentioned, but just who's going to do more damage? Yes, the pile of scrap is 36 inches, yeah, but you really but... need a meta of like five wounds, six wounds. If you're if like zombies are like running wild in the competitive scene and people go back to flooding the border with witch elves, then yeah, maybe. But, but not even in this then, like zombies don't care about D6 damage. They don't care about that. Like your your 40 block of zombies doesn't care that it lost three and a half models, which you know, which is the average there. So I, I don't. I don't think. I, I think that's the other thing is you're not seeing a lot of hordes, and the hordes that you are seeing don't care about D6 damage. They they'll get it all back. So I, I think it's definitely Iron Blaster. And then again, you got to spec real hard to make the shooting work in this game. You got to come off of the you know the blood gullet and things like that. Which blood gullet was my initial thought process. I was thinking a couple of butchers and you know iron guts and all that. And then I was like, well, what about Iron Blasters? And, and again, like I said, I had, I, what, what do they say about like the, the, the uh, smart people in the world surround themselves with people that are smarter than them. So, you know, I bounced my list off Gavin and Zach and all these guys constantly. Um, we all, we have our own little chats where we bounce them off of each other. So um, I think Gavin is the first one that had the idea. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm fairly certain it was Gavin that had the idea. No, no, no. no. You, was... you had you you had the idea. Gavin just kind of uh, you know he oh, might have thought about it simultaneously, sure. but he stole it off ideas. you. Yeah. All of his best ideas were mine first, like for sure. But he had a little different variant of it. I think he was running it with with some of the stone horns and some things like that. I mean, this list would be insane if I could fit a curse in there. Like if they mess up and give ogres a cheap uh, platform for a prayer. Like, um, like instead of so it what? having to be a, a thunder tusk, I mean a husk on thunder tusk, that's too expensive. Like I thought about it. Like there was some thought process on trying to get curse in here because knoblars actually do damage when they have curse on them. You know, so I mean, because they're so, you know one attack. Why, would, why wouldn't you take it then? Why wouldn't you take? The, well, you just the have curse. to give up too much. Like basically. Um, to get in, I think the, I think it's 315 points for a, I think that's what it is, or maybe it's two something. Huskard on Thunder Tusk to bring Curse. Um, it's just too expensive. And, and it's, like, for me, I would have to give up. I would have to take my eight-man unit down to a four-man unit. I would also have to drop a four-man unit of Lead Belchers and... My thought process was the reason you started this army was for lead belchers and iron blasters. Yes, it could possibly get you more damage out of your knoblars if you're because I'm playing very defensively with this army. My typical deployment is 
I have my tyrant in the middle, my four iron blasters in the back, my lead belchers in the front, and then a U-shaped screen in front of Knoblars. And I just sit there, and like I said, I, you know, when the missions are across the top, I mean, the objectives are in the middle. Um, my opponent will initially think, okay, I'm just going to sit on the objectives. And then um, when they lose, uh, what was that thing called? The Sludge Raker? I had an opponent like, oh, that Sludge Raker's got the amulet. You're not going to kill him. And then when I blew his amulet Sludge Raker up turn one, he decided he needed to bring the other one to my deployment zone to try to kill my army because he didn't anticipate that amount of damage coming. And all it takes is a couple, of, a couple to get through, and you spike that six, and the whole world changes. Like, so um, the army design was for lead belchers and iron blasters. And it, it, I would have to take too much of that out to get curse in there. To, that's the thought process. Often you get these good ideas, but when you start moving away from the core of the list, you know, you, you got to ask yourself, why, do you, why are you doing it? And it's now form a completely different list. I guess Hades, yeah. you know, Hades is mentioning a good comment. We talked a lot about Noblars. Have we now just confirmed that this is a Noblar meta? Are, are people now going to go out and buy a hundred Noblars from <laughs> Games Workshop? Are we? Are you getting a referral for this? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you need. Yeah, I mean, sixty is good. Forty is really good. Uh, yeah, I think if you're going to play ogres, you bring forty Noblars. I think at least forty, maybe twenty. You can get away with it with some of the more Kragnos heavy builds. You only bring twenty, but I think if you want to play um, any kind of gutbusters, you bring it. You're bringing 40 yeah. Noblars. Yeah, and you get punished really easily from... And that's probably another thing, right? You well, know, the Tyrant because makes a Battleshock immune too. Good point. You don't have to spend the CP on them. Because you are seeing that, you know, because people are projecting power early, people are looking at ways to build faster lists that can get into their face earlier. Um, you know, Craggy, for example, the 3D6 charge, you're seeing, you know, um, more crushes and gore grunters and iron jewels are kind of being a really good counter to the shooting meta. And you need those screens because you don't want those fast models getting into combat, top pinning you into your objective and like you, you're losing your power because, you know, yeah. you need the screens. Yeah, for sure. And then again, like some of these, like we talked about with how, how, uh, translocate and things like this, like your Noblars and, and your Black Powder and your Hothgun, like you can shut down sections of the board. They still have to use, you know, normal redeployment rules. So um, they're not necessarily a screen, but they're effectively screening off a section of the board and they can't go there. So it makes it harder to come in and because, you know, if, again, I think a big part that separates two players when they're playing a game is there's usually a knowledge deficit between the two. Like I know what your army does. You don't know what mine does. And whoever is on the side of, I know more about both armies that usually comes out as a winner because of target priority and things like that. But that always gave me a leg up with, with this army. Everyone knew like a lot of people are like, okay, they're ogres and immediately discredited the army. And after the first battle round, they're like, wait a minute. I got a real game on my hands here. Um, so that, that kind of gives you that early little bit of, you know, you got a puncher's chance with this army, even if you go into, like, because I played in Austin, my only loss was against uh, Lumineth with um, uh, the Wind Spirit Severeth and 50 mm -hmm. Sentinels. That was what I played. That was my only loss in Austin. Um, turn one, he killed all of my heroes except Rothgorn because Rothborn wasn't on the board. 
And we still went to like a turn five priority role. And the big play in that game was I got a little too close to Nick Fowler and he, he auto battle shocked off seven of my eight man unit of lead belchers. That was a big turning point in that game because I, all the objectives were in the middle. I, I could play, I could still play the objectives pretty well. Um, yeah. And uh, with losing all my heroes turn one before he was a one drop, I was a 14 drop. So 50 Sentinels killed my tyrant and my butcher before they ever moved. So, and again, you're a big wall of meat, right? You're this big wad, right? So, you know, yeah, losing those just... heroes, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, obviously no. they help and, you know, they, they increase consistency and ability well, to. Well, in that have... matchup, they don't really because I'm only getting the bonuses against heroes and monsters. So maybe Severeth. So even in that particular instance, it's like, yeah, you, you've taken a little away from me, a little effectiveness in some scenarios, but. They're, they're still just a big, they're just ogres. Like, it's the funniest thing. It's 182 wounds of, you know, like each Noblar is as important as each ogre in that thing. It's so funny how it all kind of works out. None of it, none of it matters. I can see about 10 people that I know from the Discord alone are going to clip that and go, look, they're important. Because, like, I've got, I've got some people who are obsessed with Noblars. They just have a weird obsession oh, with Noblars. <laughs> and, well, they're really cool models when you look down. I don't they got, like, broken beer bottles they're like jabbing people with and it's it's pretty pretty fun stuff my my, my goblins are i've got my my, my gloom spike kits i I'm, that that hole has been filled that niche has been filled i have my kits i don't need to paint any noblars yeah what's well, the that's, like, go ahead huh? no I please i'm just gonna me. ramble some more i was just gonna say that the, the, they just play well into the meta like the alpha strike meta doesn't phase them very much um and then the shooting meta, like we've talked about, it just plays well into all of those things. That's that was the thought process behind it. Like everything that was really good at the time, they played well into. So, no, I like it. I like it. What is the key to your success? Maybe kind of bringing this home. I know it's getting late. I know we, we probably talk, feel like you could talk about uh, ogres for a, a long <laughs> yeah. time. Um. And by the way, we didn't talk about hunters and warlord, right? Instead of going to oh, yeah. low drops, you went you went warlord to get the extra artifact, uh, and you obviously went um, hunters to create a bit of a screen, and you know uh, people can't roar you and all that stuff. Yeah, right? that was all like that's simple stuff. Like you didn't want to have your ogres get stomped and things like that. That was just simple enough. And at the time, they were, you know, getting plus, I had the plus one to wound triumph in the bank. So, I, you know, anytime I get that eight man into combat or, or, you know, it was, um, they were in range to all shoot. That's when you go ahead and do the plus one to hit and the plus one to wound. And it gives you one turn of a, a really consistent shooting with them. So, um, but the, yeah, that, that was all, I think that you always have a, a if you're playing a real like troop heavy list, you always have. Um, a hunters in there. I think, like I said, in this army doesn't have a way to really get to two drops or one drop. Um, I guess I could have ran. No, I, I mean, literally uh, the best I could have done was like four drops, maybe with a battle regiment and then the, the three iron blasters being on their own because they're artillery. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have, you'd have to drop iron blasters to even remotely get close to it. And again, are you moving away from the core of the list? Absolutely. Is it worth it? I think you know, five, fifteen drops is is um, is a very powerful ability because 
you don't have to worry about the deployment. You can, you can literally just drop one model. And then you add the fact that you've got these null deployments through um, the, the man trappers. Then, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. Like, let, let your opponent drop three or four things, if, if not their whole army. And then you can decide where the battle is played. You can yep. avoid certain things. You know, you can focus on certain things. You yeah, can that's look at the best knowledge. way to attack. Yeah, that's where that knowledge, you know, deficit comes in and priority. Like, I can just deploy your army out of doing anything to me. And, and then if you give me the turn, I can punish you for giving me the turn. It's not like, you know, most of those, like, that. they want to give your opponent the turn. They want you to walk into their damage and... There's not a lot you can do about it a lot of times. Well, I'm, if I you give me the turn, um, in fact, most of the time when I played Doc, I got I had it in such a position that I forced them to take the first turn because they didn't want to start shooting or they didn't want me to start shooting at their bow snakes before they could get the damage through. So um, I think it's just it really it's it's more controlling like than you think it is being able to deploy your army like that. Your opponent is just like, what do I do with this mess? It is a pile of of a mess in front of them, and where do I start picking it apart? I've never run Battle Regiment, and I've never run, even like back in the year old day where you could just drop the whole bat- battalion at once, I never worried about it because it allows me to counterplay and it allows me to swing certain things and put monsters in certain areas. I'll go, cool, okay, you. I'm going to put this one hero, this one troop, uh, I might completely bait them and kind of put it on the flank. And then they start putting their whole army towards a certain part of the board. Oh, and yeah. then I bring the rest of my power. You know what I mean? Like this, there's a whole bunch of mind games in the deployment. And um, and I know people like Battle Regiment, but if you're not going to try to go for one, and if you can't go one drop, then lean into 15 drops. Go, yeah, go as many like, as you need. Just get as many artifacts and things like that as you can get. Like, just go for it. Go for broke with it. Um because I mean, you know, you can. I know I can think of a handful of games that I played that my opponent really lost the game for themselves in deployment. Like right off the bat, you can look at their deployment and be like, "You just lost the game," and that's what this army really messes with you on. Because there's you have zero counter deployment on your side of the table. It's just like I played to be this one drop alpha thing, and now I got to put it on the table first off against an army that I have no idea what it does. I'm not used to this undergut stuff. And I have to, and then I have to let it counter deploy against me. And then I got to decide if I want to take the turn or give it the turn. So it's, it's a huge amount of choice that you make your opponent take in that first 10, 15 minutes of the game. And if they make the wrong one, it'll cost a lot. Like lead belchers. I mean, iron blasters can do a lot of damage in a single turn. It's also the threat. It's also the threat and people don't mm-hmm. like the idea. Like you'll see again as a destruction player and my gits, you know, I'll, I'll have like fanatics or I'll have like, you know, my squigs and they have a random movement and people always assume the worst. Like, Oh, you can yeah. do 30 attacks with five fanatics. Yeah. But I can also do five, you know, yeah, like they always, but they always assume the worst. They always, assume six the is worst. always six in your, in your opponent's head. It's always correct. And in my mind, it's always one. But it's that yeah. psychological, oh, if he does this, this is going to happen. So I'm going to try to avoid it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move here. And it's like, well, actually, there's never my plan to begin with. Yeah. I mean, I had a doc player in Austin not shoot me with his bow snakes at all for, like, the first three battle rounds because he was afraid to move them forward because the cannons were going to un- unload on him. Like, it was 
Yeah, and and, they, and by the end of the game, by like turn three, I had Marathi on like eleven wounds, and she couldn't even charge anything. He won the turn roll off and had to take the turn, but the Shadow Queen couldn't charge anything because everything on the table would unleash Alan Killer on the charge. The right. psychological game of Warhammer is underappreciated. Brian, yep. what's the key to success with 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 ogres overall? Forget like your shooting list, just ogres in general. What's the key to winning your games, and what do I need to know in order to make the most? Whether I want to go with iron blasters, if I want to go iron guts, and if I want to go into my my gluttons or whatever it might be, what's the key to success? Well, with this, I mean, my opinion is with this or any any army that that everyone has kind of in the bin, you know, thrown in the trash. Like this army's no good. If you have enough of knowledge about your opponent's army, um, you can take almost any book out there. Look at Blades of Corn just went 5-0, I think, and there was another 4-1. And Blades of Corn is probably second or third worst book in the game right now. Um, it's one of my favorite. I love Blades of Corn. Um, I took him to a tournament last weekend. But knowledge about your opponent's army is the number one. That's the number one thing. If you know what your opponent's army does, you can pick it apart. You at least have – a starting point. You can put one foot in front of the other and start chopping it up. You've you've mentioned this many times now. How do you learn about your opponent's army? And I want to put a caveat that some people who are listening to this might not have the strongest community. They might have to travel quite far to get to games. Mm-hmm. So obviously the answer is going to be play games. Like obviously yeah, go well, find a diverse games, pool. But we also, you know, People like you and Honest War Gamer and these other people out there that you guys basically read the book to me when it first comes out. So, I mean, I'll put you on while I'm painting or something like that, and then I'll have a general idea. And then before they just did this recent price hike on books, we used to buy every book. Every book that came out, we'd buy it and read it. But we are also crazy people who are messed up in the head and, you know, willing to spend $40 on a book that you're never going to play. You just don't want to be surprised by it. Um, and that's one thing that I learned a lot from, like, again, the people around me and the community around me is, you know, knowledge is power. You know, we've, we've heard it since we were G- little kids watching G.I. Joe's, you know, n- knowing it's half the battle, right? So, but you can go, there's lots of people, lots of websites where you can learn of what these armies do. Um, and then you play something obscure like this and, you're going to have a knowledge advantage right off the bat. Even if you have a well-versed player that you're playing against, I guarantee you nine out of the 10 top players in the world don't know what Underguts does 100%, you know, and won't be able to pick it apart. Yeah, no, look, that's where things like Tabletop Simulator as well can be a really powerful tool for people who don't oh, have yeah. access to a strong community, right? I think, you know, the Harrow mentioned that, you know, the fact that that's a really cool idea as a club, like, centralizing and pooling resources getting access to good communities whether it's a discord or a whatsapp or a facebook group having something where you all practice and discuss and you go hey here's my current list pick it apart what would go well what am i missing and it's amazing what your club mates can bring to the table if you're open to new ideas oh yeah they'll think of something that that you that you never thought of and if you don't if you don't let get hung up on your pride and think you know just go oh, no 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 i said i did this this is better then you probably find something pretty good in there that you know that somebody else thought of um and you know just be humble that's another thing is be humble when you when you're in your list building process and don't tie your feelings to your list it's not yours 
I promise you this list isn't mine. I'm sure somebody ran it long before I did. You know, none of these lists belong to us, you know. Um, no one, no one has made a list. Like it's all, everyone has pu pulled together the ideas. I think Absolutely. the other thing as well is you've got to cut through the crap. A lot of people, when you try to build off better lists, they go, what about this? What about this? You're like, you should run Stonehorns. You're like, oh yeah. I know Stonehorns are powerful. You're, you're not, you're not teaching me anything here, but what is it that I can do with this pool? But also setting the context, like, look, I'm trying not to go B school Raiders. I'm going uh, gut busters. I'm trying to do this with that frame. What's the best I can do? Well, I, you know, that's what that was the thought. Again, you know, I had BCR. I was painting it. I painted up one stonehorn and I quit. I was like, you know what? I mean, I'm not, I wasn't interested in the model. I wasn't interested in the faction. It just seemed boring compared to the gut buster side of ogres. That was like, you know, the, I guess the, the beast celebrities are kind of the same. They're always traveling, always hungry, but they got this, it's really cold behind them. So they got to keep moving kind of deal. Um, but it just, they seemed more fun. Noblars and ogres just seemed more fun. It was just this, it was, it was kind of like, uh, like, like gypsies, you know, they just travel the countryside and eat everything that they, they trip over. So it was a, a fun little thing, but again, it just comes down to your community is for, for the list building and finding these kind of lists. Like it's just your community testing it out in Houston, in Texas in general, we have a great community in Houston. We have an insane community. We, we're going to have three local tournaments in, in our city this month um, with, you know, 10 to 20 players. And when we have access to a lot of really good players who can help out with the list, but I mean, in our discord, we probably have 10, 10 or so lists go up every day or so. Like, Hey, what do you think about this list? What do you think about this list? And if you're receptive to the advice that you're given in that point, you'll probably come up with some pretty good stuff between the whole group. I mean, if we have 50 people's brains working on this, this list, it's going to get pretty good. And if nothing more, you've you've tested an idea, you've stress tested. You know, yeah. people's opinions might not be right, but at least you have tried to explain why you think it's good and what the logic was behind it. And you may not agree. Like I know when I was trying to push shit uphill with witch elves and, you know, everyone's <laughs> talking snakes, 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 snakes. Like I pushed it as far as I could at the time, but at least I stress tested the idea of which elves versus sisters of slaughter, why which elves would work here instead of this, and why Calibron might not be as good as Hagnar. And like you come up through those logics, and yeah, it might not yeah. be the five and oh, we kind of know what the, the top lists are, but you really do stress test your knowledge. Yeah, and I don't know how you are as a player, but a lot of times I need to see it. Like I need to yeah. see it on the table before I truly believe that that it's wrong or it's right. I mean, like I was, I was playing with some soul black earlier today and I, and I can read on paper how, how resilient zombies seem, but when you see it happen in front of you, when your opponent kills 15 of your zombies and then you get them all back and you're like, start out with 40 and you're at 45 zombies at the end of the turn after taking that kind of damage. So I kind of need to see those things. I'm, I'm a visual learner, I guess I can read yeah, all the So, so my. So am I. I. I will do stupid things in deployment and during the game because I want to see what it looks like. I'm somebody oh, yeah. who definitely wants to experience it. And I go, right. It's like, it's like you know, when you're a kid and you see the hot plate and, and your mum goes, it's hot, don't touch it. And I'm yeah. the kid that goes, touches it and goes, ah, oh, it's hot. 
like I told you, like, yeah, but I need to experience it now. Yeah, but I'm I not going to touch me. it again. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, well, is it really hot? Yeah, like, but I'm nah, a thug. But... I'm going to touch it anyway. I'm, you know, I'm going to, like, like, I chose broken ranks, like, sometimes just to see if I can do it. Like, or or when I played Archeon a lot, I would just take Slay the Warlord, knowing the only way that I could slay that Warlord is with Slayer of Kings. But I, you know, I'm just calling my shot. <laughs> I mean, it's the yeah. goofy stuff we do as players, but um, it was just models and stuff that I loved. Like I really loved the 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 foot ogre models and the iron blasters and stuff. So look for a way to make it work, and it was worked out pretty well. I mean, I think so far I'm like um, ten and ten and three or or so. I think with that list so far between a couple of local, between a local and a couple of GTs. So it's been it's been pretty fun. No, that's been awesome. And look, you've, you've dropped a whole bunch of advice. Like this is two hours of knowledge that uh, probably at the start, I probably would have thought, you know, am I going to struggle to talk about gut busters specifically for two hours? And it sounds like we could probably easily do another <laughs> two hours after this. But um, is there any final call outs? Do you want to give any shout outs to anyone, especially the Texas crew or uh, any? Oh, I mean, you yeah, at least yeah. deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, shout out to all the, the Harambe's Heroes guys, Gavin, Zach, everybody. You all know who you are. Um, and uh, the Texas Masters community as a whole, you know, Matt Taylor uh, is a big part of that. Um, Kyle Valdez, Jeffrey Viscaitis, who I've seen all in this chat here, Dan Norris, big time heroes in this community. And um, that's it. Come out. We're, we'd really like to see everybody who thinks that we're wrong in Texas come to Texas and, you know, show us, show us. Yeah, I definitely want to get to Texas. I may or may not be thinking. I was, I'm, like I said, I was disappointed. Well, we'll Texas definitely Open. see you at LVO. We'll LVO, I'll be there. I'll be there. But like, I'm going to work out if I'm going to do a sneaky trip this year. I, I looked at Kansas City Open, and it's going to cost me two and a half grand to get to, 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 to Kansas. <sighs> and it was going to be like 23 hour trip. So <sighs> I'm like, like, oh, do I re like how much do I like Warhammer? Like, I like you guys. Like, is it 23 hours and two and a well, half grand on flight alone? For you guys, I mean, outside of CanCon, what's your guys' big event? Like, is there an Australian uh, Masters or? We, we have a Masters scene as well. It kind of, sim sim we got a lot of similarities. Uh, I guess the difference is we use states as opposed to regions. Um, I run one of the bigger ones. So actually this time next month, I'll be running a hundred player event that I'm being conservative due to, due to COVID. But Outside of that, like we don't have conventions like you guys do. Like we don't have the well, LVOs, the Adepticons, the Novas. Uh, CanCon is January, and due to COVID okay. and, and Omicron version seven hundred, whatever it is, yeah. it got canned. So I think this year is like our our peak back up. So okay, well we're definitely going to come out there for that too. It's not fair that you have to keep come. You're the only one that's taking that twenty three hour flight. I, I would love to come to Australia, like. Well, same time as LVO, there. though. That's the problem. It's the same time as LVO. So it's like, do you go oh, to LVO? Do you go to Cancun? Yeah, it's, the same, it's usually the same weekend. So it crashes like Best Coast pairings because, like, everyone's trying to run yeah. the tournaments on the same system. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, like, usually they kind of uh, – which is often why I could go Cancun and Adepticon. But this mm -hmm. year coming up, I'll be going uh, – I'll be actually not going to Cancun because I'll go to LVO instead. So – yeah. That's confirmed. There's no good TO in Sydney. It's, I, I'm just like, I'm using my clout to actually guess, get people just like, oh, what's his rule? Like, I don't know. Work it out. Roll the dice. Yeah, who cares? 
Brian, you've been amazing. I could keep talking to you forever. Uh, shout out to yourself. I'll put your Twitter handle below in the episode description uh, once we finish okay. recording. So if people want to chat to you more and they want to come see you. If you're in the Texas Masters or you're in the Texas community, there is a cool Facebook group. Go search you up and, and join the scene. You've got lots of events and lots of things happening all over Houston, Dallas, Austin. My knowledge is Oh, yeah, everywhere. I mean, Texas is full. We have tournaments every weekend somewhere. And Grum Grumdy has promised me barbecue, so I need to go out and come back for barbecue. Oh, yeah. So. All right. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Brian, my guest. Uh, absolutely hungry and eating. Now you yeah. can go eat. All right. Thanks, sir. <laughs> see, you, see you, folks. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.